Welcome to the Supreme Resort Land V World, a podcast about Disneyland and Walt Disney World, and which is the Supreme Resort. Each episode, we will discuss and explore each resort ride by ride, land by land, park by park, restaurant by restaurant to determine which is better. That's right. We have devolved. (laughs) We have added quite a few more subjects to our podcast. (laughs) I'm your host, Jimmy, and thank you for joining me on this quest to help the greater good of humanity answer this long, elusive question, which is better? Disneyland or Walt Disney World? And joining me to help find the answer is from San Diego's finest improv, Dan. <laughs> is that what it's, it's? Finest city improv is oh, the place. Finest city improv. Yeah, <laughs> who I'm not actually, uh, you know what? They're Maybe doing shows and they have the same amount of people coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. Actually, you know what? I, 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 Terror Squad had at least eight people at one of our shows. So all of them other improvers. <laughs> <laughs> this is normal. Uh, no, I, 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 yes. Uh, I don't know how to respond to that. Um, you're fine. I'm just, I'm giving you a hard time. I, you, I'm not actually, a, no, it's, I, <laughs> Oh. And from concierge, Eric. Hey, hey. Uh, I'm Eric, and, <laughs> and we have from people. the Supreme. <laughs> Eric has people, uh, but yeah. And from the Supreme <laughs> Resort, Christy. Yeah, it's me. I'm still here, out of the can. It's all good. Yeah. How are you guys fun. doing? Great. How are you? Good. Doing good. I'm excited about today's subject. I was not anticipating it being. Uh, very involved, but it turns out uh, there's a lot to say about these restaurants. <laughs> what we decided, listener, is that we want to, at some point, we're going to have to get to land versus land like we did in Orleans Square and, and uh, the other thing. But before we do those those shows, we have to make sure we have covered everything. That's why you would have heard us some other show talking about uh, the the jungle or the Country Bear Jamboree. There's no comparison, but we still I, wanted to cover it. What it- what are you talking about? Well, <laughs> yeah, we got to figure out how we're going to cover that because that's a significant portion of Frontierland in Walt Disney yeah, World. That's true. So we'll have to figure out a way to cover the Country Bear Jamborees. But the point is that in order to get to these exact comparisons, we want to make sure we cover everything we can cover before we get into it. Not sure how Say we're going to cover one more time. What's that? Say cover one more time. Cover. Thank you. But, so as we cover and uncover. <laughs> The mysteries of these lands. We still haven't figured out how to do these land episodes, but we'll get there. We'll probably have land Natalie America. from uh, Disneyland come and do Main Streets because I don't. I mean, it's going to be hard to do shops and all that stuff for Main Streets. We just cover Main but I'm Street. Pretty, I'm, I'm pretty sure Natalie can cover it. Yeah, she's she'll cover it. Well, she'll be our cover reporter. Yeah, it'll be the cover story of tomorrow's paper. It absolutely will. Uh-huh. So, guys, uh, normally I wait to cover some of the other podcasts on this network. But I want to talk about scraping the vault really quick. So those of you listening to the show, thank you for listening. Uh, We have another show called Scraping the Vault, where Dan and Audrey and I review the straight-to-video Disney sequels. Yeah. And, And we started its own feed some months back, and not all of our listeners have, have carried over. So I just kind of want to encourage you, listener, I mean, maybe you're not interested, but it's a very funny show. Whether you've seen these movies or not, it's engaging and entertaining. Eric, you listen, right? Every episode. Basically, basically, if you like, if you like when this show 
becomes just impossibly silly, usually towards the the, the third quarter. Uh, that's yes. what that and show is. For the Eric, Eric, I'm sorry. You, you <laughs> so, do listen to yeah. the show, right? I do. My one of my most treasured memories was listening to uh, the 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 non-starting uh, Lion King two yeah episode that I listened to. Uh, I, I think three times in a oh row. Oh my gosh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that one you won't find on the feed. That's going to be on our Facebook group only. But yes, that uh, that was a fun little debacle. But we just did and will release December first. Uh, so it was four days ago. Uh, we released, uh, oh, Lady and the Tramp 2 Scamp's Adventure. It was a lot of fun. Doggy style. Scamp. Doing it doggy style. Wow. But <laughs> by the way, guys, and Christy, I don't want to put you on the spot. Have you listened? I have not yet. But uh, if you don't think I'm listening to the Scamp one, you're wrong. Okay. <laughs> well, so by the time you hear this, Christy will have already listened to Scamp's Adventure. And we'll have to cut in her reaction. But guys, we're not the only ones that listen. We have a couple of... Uh, of of reviews that I want to read. Uh-huh. This first one from Rob five one three. Does anybody know who Rob five one three is? Uh, he's the five. Feel like I might thirteenth <laughs> Rob that I have met in my lifetime. The five hundred and thirteenth Rob. Yeah, and His- to get your username from Eric, email him. At- <laughs> <laughs> this one is titled "Scraping My Brain." The details you guys go into for straight to video movies is awesome. I love the show and will continue to listen and laugh for a long time to come. Five stars. And this one is from Sync Mania. Does anybody know Sync Mania? I do not. That that would be. That would be me. Oh, Sync Mania Day. <laughs> I like this show and I'm not even on it. Reviews of Disney's worst movies. What can be better? Five stars. Wow. Thanks, Eric. Mm-hmm. I Thanks, did write that. I've listened to most of your episodes twice. That's awesome. <laughs> that review might have been in network, but it was not solicited. That is yeah. true. Yeah, we haven't asked for reviews. We asked for... Uh, um, actually, we don't ask for anything. Just listen. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, and if you want to leave a review for any of our podcasts and you're not sure what to write, just find a five-star review from like the that Mark Maron show. Just copy, paste it. That's and right. Change the names. It's, no, no. Sure don't you... even change the names. Just Oh, yeah. No, 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 okay. No. Conan O'Brien has one of the funniest <laughs> podcasts. <laughs> Hashtag uh, Purple Mattress. Yep. Oh, yeah. And, and Lisa. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so I think it's time for Dan's mailbag of mail. Oh, okay. This is where the mail goes. Um, this uh, question called that intro. I, <laughs> I distract myself every single time, and it's so fun. Um, this question comes from totally not the same person. Um, his name <laughs> is S. Last name with another first name. Um, mm. What is one ride or attraction that you have personally ridden on but refuse to ever ride again, either because the ride is mind-numbing, frightening, or the ride wait is way too long? Ooh. Teacups. While you're thinking, I'll start. Teacups? Okay. Teacups. Teacups. Oh, oh, teacup. Disneyland or Disney World? Any teacup. So... I have a question to, for you in regards to that that I want to kind of put out to all the people who are anti-teacup. You know you don't have to spend, right? 
doesn't matter. You you spin automatically. Whether you spin your teacup, you're spinning. I don't like spinning. Like like I don't like that sensation of increased G. Yeah, I'm an anti spinner. Like like the spinner rides we talked about, like that masterpiece uh, of at Disney's California Adventure. That's fine. That's that's okay. But it's spinning around while other people are spinning around. Even like maters. Like that's just that's that's too much for me. So it's like a visual. Yes, it issue. is hundred percent okay. visual because I can't see straight to begin with. So when I can't see straight, people are moving. Whoa! Yeah, I, I'm hmm. with Jimmy. I cannot spin at all. I've never ridden the teacups. I'll never ride the teacups. So that's not the answer to my to this question. But I couldn't do it. Like the Enterprise <laughs> rides, you know, those with like that the floor drops out and oh, yeah, no, yeah. No. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. Enterprise One um, made me sick. So but the theming is great here. <laughs> this path is disgusting. Uh, the music is nice. Um, mm-hmm. Eric, what was yours? Peter Pan. What? Disneyland Ooh. Peter Pan. Spe- specifically. Specifically Disneyland Peter Pan. The the value I get out of waiting in that line. I've done it. It's an original attraction. I did that. I don't have to wait a ridiculously amount, long amount of time out in the sun. No shade. No nothing. With that that payoff now, if I want to ride Peter Pan, I'll do it in Walt Disney World where there's a, a clever queue and lots of things to look at, and then it doesn't matter that I'm waiting a little bit of time. I you know I I get that it's it's different. I, I don't know what makes what makes people so enamored with it because it's not that much different than some of the other rides. Like like there's never a line for Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it is just Pinocchio, the lo- the ride system. It must be. Maybe. It, it, and, and another thing I was thinking was that it, it's, it's one of those things because that's where this thing exists. Cause Pinocchio wasn't an opening day attraction. So mm, like, true. like the small worlds, the Peter Pans, the, it's just, that's where that thing is. And you have to do it like a rite of passage, like Autopia. Right. Like it's that thing you have to do. Mm-hmm. I've never done Autopia or the original small world. What? Okay. So you're a monster. Um, <laughs> the original 1965 <laughs> Small World. You haven't done that. <laughs> I haven't. I have not been to. Uh, you haven't been to the World's to Fair, Flushing Meadows, to do. Wow, the original. No, I, I've never done it at Disneyland either. Yeah. You haven't gone on. It's a Small World at Disneyland. My wife does not like dolls. Okay, <laughs> I've been. The last time my entire family was at Walt Disney World, we actually did. It's a small world uh, man version because none of the, n- my sisters didn't want to go on it. So my dad, my two brothers-in-law, and I took all of the kids on It's a Small World because we all like it. But none of the women would go on it. Did she understand that every animatronic in Disneyland, Disney World, are just moving dolls? <laughs> Did she not realize <laughs> that? Did you listen to the, to the last scary episode on Ears Up? They're not. Mm, okay? Okay. Hmm. Taryn wrote a pretty... I don't listen to that I, show. I was impressed by that story. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Joke. Uh, Support our uh, podcast network, <laughs> everybody. Oopoo. Yoopoo. The Yoopoo. <laughs> Ears Up Podcast Universe. Yep. <laughs> oh, my. Yoopoo. The Yoopoo. Uh, Christy, what do you have? Yeah, mine is Small World 2. Sorry. It just... I, I wrote Small it. World 2? There's a sequel? No, well, there is a sequel. It'll be on it's your other podcast. even smaller. It went straight to DVD, <laughs> and it's just seven hours of that song over and over uh, and over and over. 
again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Never again. Mm-hmm. So, Dan, what about you? Rise of the uh, Resistance? Uh, <laughs> no, it's a Haunted Mansion holiday. <gasps> and why? <laughs> Say you. I'm tired of it. Because... <laughs> I it's it's a combination it's kind of a Dan hates the Beatles situation or rather it's a Beatles situation where like it's just it's too much it takes away my favorite ride for half of the year first of all it was really cute the first time um and now it's done it needs to go it's like I'm tired of hearing people talk about it I'm tired of all of the Michigas around it and um, it's, it's cute, but it's not that good. Dan, are you the one responsible for the backlash this year? This is the first year I have heard this echoed in multiple spaces around the interwebs. And maybe it's because it doesn't exist right now to remind us of how great it is. I think people Just saying that's what COVID is all about. There's, this is manufactured. <laughs> <laughs> Parks are all closed. <laughs> I did it, everyone. I'm Good sorry, job, but not sorry. Um, uh, I remember you did go to China in February. Uh, Dan, I think this is a little bit like a Dan hates the Beatles situation because maybe. neither are a thing right now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> It's wow. true. Um, yeah, I, I I, don't know. I think people maybe having some time away from it, they're like, is, is it really that good? I just want the thing back. I don't want the extra thing. I just want the thing. Right. Your favorite ride and it gets taken away, you know, what? Basically half the, the year. year. Half the year. I mean, so, you, man- can't, you can't. I think we might have brought this up at, on a previous episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but. You can't ride the Haunted Mansion as the Haunted Mansion on Halloween. Right. So I have two questions. First mm-hmm. one is you mentioned Michigas. Now, was it was the governor <laughs> of Mich- Michigas that was threatened, I want to say? <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. I think that was, it was number Lock, one. Shock, and Barrel who were going to put her in malicious. the bathtub and take her to Oogie Boogie. Okay. Michigas, for anyone not familiar, is a, uh, I think it's Shaped a Yiddish, like a glove. It's a Yiddish term. Uh, that my uh, previous therapist introduced to me and it shouldn't be translated for this. Oh, family podcast. Okay. Yeah. The second thing I had to say, if yeah. you it's could- malarkey, pull- basically. Okay. And yeah. if you could flip a switch like yeah. you could do with World of Color. Mm-hmm. I am right now. On, oh, <laughs> on like October, mm. whatever, it's Haunted Mansion the way we know and love. And the mm-hmm. next day, it's Haunted Mansion holiday. November 1st. No, okay. And then on December 25th, it's Haunted Mansion holiday. On Boxing Day, it's original OG Haunted Mansion. Are you still canceling it? Um, No, I'm fine with that. I, okay. I mean, I don't love it. I still probably would wonder why it's such a big deal, especially because like, I don't remember people actually caring for that movie when it came out. Mm. Um, I did. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I but I mean, this, I don't know. It, it's, go ahead. Email address is dan at uh, earsup-podcast.com. I, whatever. Wait, you, you I disagree. question. Yeah. What about, what about the moving <laughs> picture of a gingerbread house and the, don't st- care. <laughs> and the don't statue care. of, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> the statue of Elvis. I don't care. I, I want, statue? 
I want to be able to ride the thing that I love uh. when I want to ride it. And I think I also mentioned at the time that we didn't record this previously and I lost my <laughs> internet connection <laughs> that there's, <laughs> there's, a, there's a, a Pirates of the Caribbean uh, tie-in for me. I think the two are... I'm not saying in this like conspiracy theory sense that they're connected. They might be, I don't know, but in my heart they're connected. They feel like one and the same. I feel weird writing Pirates of the, Pirates of the Caribbean without them going straight to Haunted Mansion. I and can attest to that, but you know what you have to do before you go on Pirates of the Caribbean every time? P. Eat at Rancho del Zocalo. Ooh, hold on. What's this you speak of? Wait, I'm not, the, I'm not ready yet. Stuff. I'm not ready yet. a great transition, dip. but I'm not ready yet. Oh. Um, did you hear that they have announced that starting in January, you will be able to park hop at Disney World? Yes. Wow. And I did. And it's not. It, what here's what's weird because we've been talking about the reservation system, and and my theory for, on the reservation system is that it's not going away because Disney knows who's going to be there when, and so they can properly staff, properly get you know the right amount of food and whatever else. But with a with a park hopper, you don't have to make a park reservation. You have to make one for the first park you go to, and you have to go to that park. So, for example, if you want to go to Epcot in the afternoon and Epcot or in a Magic Kingdom in the morning, you have to make a reservation for Magic Kingdom, and you cannot walk into Epcot until you have walked into Magic Kingdom. Gotcha. But you could literally walk into Magic Kingdom, turn around, walk out, and go to Epcot after two p.m. that same day. After yeah, wow. after two p.m. is oh the after two p.m. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So I could walk into Magic Kingdom at one fifty nine or when at any time. And then get on the monorail and go to Epcot as long as it's after 2 p.m. It's just, I don't understand the reasoning behind it, but that's the thing. So you can park hop starting in uh, January. So do you think so the clock has something to do with like shifts? Like they're bringing in more people at 2 or they're letting more people go at 2 or? I, I suspect, Christy, that it's some level of time and motion study that they've done. And they realize that these parks open at whatever time they open. And around 2 o'clock is when people are like, uh, I'm ready to do something else. Okay. And so they're ready to be mobile. So okay. all the people who went to Epcot at 9 or 10 or whatever it opens, come around 2 o'clock, they're like, eh, let's go do something else. And they just switch places. That, that's my theory. I don't know if that's gotcha. true, but it's probably a time and motion study. That makes sense. I I think maybe in this, uh, my theory as well. Huh. Uh, wow. <laughs> so things in heads that come through mouths are go like this. I think, uh, Hollywood studios is the reason because nobody wants uh, to commit to spending a full day there. Gotcha. That, I mean, that's reasonable. It's not a full day park even now. Nope. Yeah. Add in, add in a nice, long, slow meal at the Brown Derby. You got yourself a full day. Yeah. I bet is your average park person going to the, going there? Well, they're all going there because that's where all the cool stuff is. So everyone wants to go there. And everyone who's going to go there is going to go at the opening of that park so they right. can get a, a boarding group or get in line for the uh, Mickey and Minnie. Or right. I, I think Dan means uh, the Brown Derby and... Based on this particular podcast, which has a, a broad and diverse cast of characters, fifty uh, percent of the people on this podcast would absolutely go to the Brown Derby versus Rise of the Resistance. Okay, 
Wow. I would do I, both, but yeah, we go to the Brown Derby every time. It's where we had our honeymoon breakfast. dinner. I don't know if we would do it at breakfast, but definitely lunch. They don't have breakfast, do they? Well, that's what I'm saying. So you're saying you'd rather go to Brown Derby than Rise of the Resistance, but you could do both. Sure enough. I suppose I could. I'm just saying, like, Christy and her husband and my wife and I really like going to the Brown Derby. Okay. Cobb mm. salad was invented there. Don't think yeah, I've ever absolutely. been to the Brown Derby. Yeah, I've had cocktails there, but it's just always, you know, hard to get a reservation and whatever. But anyway. Uh, yeah, I think to me, this, this is kind of like Disney admitting that like, um, there might not be, you know, I, I don't know. I don't really have any legitimate thoughts. I'm just talking because I'm on a podcast. Let's, let's move on. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, it's probably time in motion, That that's yep. just the only way, you know, then people have the, the park hopper thing and it's a two o'clock is when. If you've gone to Animal Kingdom, you can do everything by two o'clock or everything mm-hmm. you want to do. Nana's had her nap. Right. What's that? N- Nana's had her nap. <laughs> Nana's had her nap. <laughs> uh, yeah. So let's, do you guys ready to get into this? Because we have a lot to talk about. Get it on. Yes. Are, are we talking about the the velvet statue of the uh, the hatbox ghost that they're putting into Walt Disney World? <gasps> what? Explain. Immediately. Yes, we are. I'm sorry. Someone was talking about a velvet Elvis and uh, hat. And I thought about Hatbox Ghost, and I just wanted to conflate them into a uh, different park. That's not happening. Oh, wait. Let's let's put that on the internet. Let's start this rumor. Yeah. Now. Ooh, rumor. yeah. Velvet. Yeah. Velvet Hat. Velvet Hat. You heard it here. The Velvet Hatbox Ghost is going to be at Disney World at the Haunted in Mansion. The Pirates he's of the Caribbean. In the Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> and the Haunted Mansion, and in the Pirates of the Caribbean, he's going to say to each and every guest, "Hey." You need to go on Haunted Mansion next. And then at the Haunted Mansion, he's going to say random ride that you go on next after that. Nice. That's the thing, though, Dan. It, it, what's interesting about, and maybe it's just because I've been with you, but going on Pirates followed by Haunted Mansion seems like a logical progression. But well, that's not yeah. the case at Disney World at all. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, they were put together by the same people. There's like a lot. There's, there's if nothing else, there is an aesthetic tie-in. Mm-hmm. Um, I know theories exist, uh, and if anyone knows how to get offhand Disney on our show, uh, he can talk about that theory. Um, I'm not saying those theories are not true or valid. I just, my take on it is I don't care. They just feel like they go together to me. Okay. You know, like chocolate and peanut butter Aww. or like, um, bacon and, and everything. And oh, wow. Elvis. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So getting into the topic of today's show, we are going to argue today's episode is called The Case of the Frontierland Mexican Restaurants, Rancho V. Pecos. That is Rancho del Zocolo. And I did confirm that's how it's pronounced. It's actually pronounced Zocolo versus Pecos Bill. And what is the full title of the Pecos Bill restaurant, Eric? Pecos Bill's Tall Tale Inn and Cafe. And I confirmed that it is pronounced cafe, not case. Oh, mm, very interesting. good. Very good. Oh. Right? We're so international. Okay. So Rancho del Zocolo technically came after Pecos Bill, but its predecessors, Casa Mexicana and the oh, Casa de Frito, came in 1955. So it is going to go first. Christy will be our judge. Sweet. 
feeling judgy. Dan will be our yep. Dan will be our jury and our soundboard operator. So mm-hmm. when Rancho del Zócalo gets a point, you will hear this sound. Hey, Klondike! Right. Or some variation of said sound, and we will explain <laughs> that in incredible detail. <laughs> yeah. And if Pecos Bill's tall tale in and Kaith, was that, am I saying that right? Absolutely. Calf. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds about Kaith. right. Mm-hmm. Uh, gets a point. You will hear this sound. That dancing gave old Bill the willy, so he wrote them little fillies. All right. Yeah. All right. So opening statement time. Ooh, it's a new thing. Wait, from before you go. Yeah. From this is directly from Disneyland.go.espn.godaddy.com. Wow. <laughs> Wait, is that that's a real that is a no. real address, isn't it? No, it's not. Oh, that was well done. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've decided to try to rail we. in we I in air I, quotes we. We <laughs> <laughs> We we uh, we have decided that timers are inherently funny, so uh, we're gonna give a minute for Jimmy to do opening statement. Jimmy, are you ready? I'm ready. And go. The whole enchilada, colorful painted tiles, soothing fountains, adobe archways, and hanging plants adorn this peaceful Spanish-style oasis. Take a welcome break in the shade, or eat inside under the gentle glow of star-shaped Mexican glass lanterns. Start with a tasty tostada salad, then select the entree, especially specials, but specialists like our carne asada and red chili enchilada platter, fire grilled citrus marinated chicken or nachos with beef. Other delicious choices include the trio of street tacos, cauliflower tacos topped with pineapple cabbage slaw and a variety of authentic burritos. Los niños can enjoy a chicken taco, a bean and cheese burrito or arroz con pollo. Before you bid us adios. Treat yourself to something dolce, such as our traditional creamy flan. All menu items are subject to change without notice. What's in a name? The literal English translation of Rancho del Zocalo is Ranch in the Square. Por qué? The open area at the entrance of Frontierland was once called El Zocalo, or the Town Square, making this quick service cantina the Town Square Ranch. Authentic Mexican specialties everyone can enjoy. Make it delicious, be there, or be square. Oh. You mean be Zocalo? Uh, be Zocalo. There we go. Kiss, kiss. All right. It's the buzzer. <laughs> I did it. Well timed. Well done. By the way, that was Ranch of the Square. Pardon yeah. me for all the Spanish. Spanish Ranch of the Square. Be there or be square. Oh. Oh. Okay. Uh, Eric. Wait. Are we? We should, we should have talked about how we're going to do this. <laughs> Just do it again. Do it again. I'm ready. I'm ready. Are we doing opening statement against opening statement then? I think so. Of okay. course. Eric. On your mark. Get that. Go. Not every legendary character gets their own restaurant, but Pecos Bill sure did. Opening along with the Magic Kingdom in 1971, Pecos Bill's Cafe was a popular location for a quick lunch or dinner in the frontier land area of the park. It became so popular over time, somewhat due to the closure of other dining locations, that Disney expanded it into the sprawling quick-service restaurant it is today. While this location started out as a near-replica of the Casa de Fritos slash Casa Mexicana building of Disneyland, it has evolved from this unenlightened state into a giant location that seats over 1,100 people. 
In addition to a certainly not open right now toppings bar, this restaurant is also packed with storytelling details rarely afforded to a quick service restaurant. I intend to prove to you, the judge and the jury, that Pecos Bills is the supreme Mexican-ish quick service restaurant. My esteemed colleague has laid out a compelling argument, no question, but I remain confident that the copycat cousin in the Magic Kingdom will reign supreme. Mm. Nice. I want to hear the buzzer, so I'm going to keep it going. Chicken nachos. Uh, ooh. Chicken rice bowl. Ooh. One third pound Angus cheeseburger. <laughs> Southwest salad. All right. Um, <laughs> Exceptional. Can, I, is it just me or do everybody want more Eric? We need more Eric. We need more Eric. <laughs> more me. Volume. <laughs> Well, that's going to really mess with uh, yeah, the rest of my yeah, volumes for the rest of yeah, the show right. if I turn it we, up now. It can get, it can get fixed. You'll, you'll fix it. I'll just, just listen better. I'll strain my ears. Actually, I'll turn up my volume. There you go. Okay. Uh, all right. So, Judge, oh, what do you I'm feel back. about these? You're back. What do you feel um, about um, these two? <clears throat> I'm here, too. But you don't get to award points. Hey, do we get to have a sidebar where we turn you two off and we just talk? Yes. Oh, yeah. cool. Somebody play white noise. We're going to do that. No, I'm kidding. Um, first, I want to congratulate both of you on your concise delivery. Mm. Very, very muy bien. I don't know. Mm, Spanish, not, si. not so good. Um, but I have to give it to Jimmy. That was awesome. Points. Ooh. Sweet. There we go. Hey, Klondike. Mm-hmm. To be fair, I just took it directly from Disneyland's website. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, but you cited your source. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm going to cite my source for the next segment as well. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> uh, yeah, so point for the uh, Rancho del Socolo. Uh, I want to get into, and hopefully you don't time this because it's going to be. No, 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 no. no. Uh, I want to get into the history of Rancho del Socolo. I'm going to tell you a little story. Imagine, if you will, you're in Disneyland. And as you approach Disneyland's frontier land from the central hub, you are greeted by a pioneer entrance that has remained virtually unchanged since 1955. The fort-like structure beckons you inwards, and you experience the frontier of the Old West from the 19th century. If you're lucky, perhaps you will hear the sounds of Farley the Fiddler as he performs nearby. Or maybe you will be swayed by the sounds of gunfire as your fellow park-goers play target practice at the Frontierland Shooting Gallery. Or maybe you'll notice that the sun is at high noon, and you'll be hungry for lunch. How about some Mexican food? Off to your right, nestled between the Shooting Exposition and Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, you'll find Rancho del Socolo Restaurante. Mm. There, you can find enchiladas, or a burrito, or carne asada. However, between 1982 and 1999, the restaurant was called Casa Mexicana. And before that, going back to 1955, it was called Casa de Fritos. Um, excuse me. Yes. Did you just say it was named after a chip? As a matter of fact, it was. Although Casa de Fritos was part of Frontierland from August 1955 to 1982, it did not always reside at its current location. 
For two years, it was part of what is now Riverbelt Terrace, which borders Frontierland and Adventureland. At the time, it was home to both Casa de Fritos and... Why was that? Yeah. Well, it was a Casa de Fritos and I'm sorry. I, the jury is not catching. The jury's fine. Aunt Jemima's Pancake House, there okay? Okay, okay. Casa de Fritos was a counter service location which was born out of a partnership between Disney and, you guessed it, Fritos. Frito and <laughs> <laughs> You guessed it. Was a chip company that was that was purchased by someone in San Antonio. That very same year, the Lay's Corporation was purchased, and they combined to Frito Lay in 1966. Wow! I waited for it, and I heard 1966. (laughs) Sorry. That was just a little bit of the rabbit hole I went down during this visit. Uh, anyway, so it was so Casa de Frito. It was the place to get your fix of Mexican food and snacks. Each meal, of course, came with a bag of Frito corn chips. Every meal you purchased from Casa de Fritos came with a bag of Fritos. Thankfully, the menus from Casa de Frito have survived the decades <laughs> since the mid 1950s and gives us a glimpse of what early Disneyland visitors would have enjoyed at the location. And they are a taco in a talk cup, 25 cents. Talk cup? A taco in a talk cup. See those, those lazy cone people over at California Adventures <laughs> ripped it off. Mexican rice. 25 cents. <laughs> Tamales, three for 35 cents. Chili and beans. <laughs> you know that Walt made that. That was Walt's idea. 35 cents. Frito chili pie, making a big comeback in 2020. 55 cents. Frito tamale special, 75 cents. Mexican combination plate, $1. And enchiladas, two for 45 cents. Ooh. I have a good- I have a question. Can I ask a question, Judge? Yes, please. Okay. You're not the judge. Okay. Uh, Whoa. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. You're so welcome. <laughs> Was Frito pie invented there? It's called I Frito know chili pie. Were. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can't imagine what you're talking about. <laughs> huh. One of our listeners I mean, to go back and look at Sonic, because that's where I used to get chili. I mean, Frito pies was... Sonic. So I wonder which came first, the Sonic or the Disney. When did Sonic open? I don't know. Who invented Frito Pie? Oh boy. Sweet. Oh, his Google's British. (laughs) No, thank you. All right. So it wasn't invented in the 30s. Yeah. But there's something else that was. We'll get to that later. Please stop talking. Google. Hey, Google. Hey, Google. Don't let Google spoil me. Hey, Jerry. Could you please quiet your Google? (laughs) I'm working on it. Uh, Thank you. Okay. Uh, I know that that's a lot, and you can give me a point for any of this, but here's the the meat of what I want to get into. One of the highlights of Casa de Frito was the Frito Kit. 
The Frito Kid was the mascot of Fritos from 1952 to 1957. He appeared on product packaging, advertisements, and even commercials. He also appeared on the merchandise. At Casa de Fritos, a vending machine stood just inside the entrance to the restaurant. However, this was not just any vending machine. This was a fairly elaborate diorama, which consisted of the Frito Kid, which was a lightly animated figure that would come to life when you dropped a nickel in the depository. A mountain and mine in which the unseen partner Klondike was working to churn out Fritos and a chute that the bag of Fritos would fall from as they glided down a slide to the hungry customer. So this is a vending machine. <laughs> you put a nickel in uh-huh. and you hear interactions between these two characters. I'm going to get into more detail. Dan's going to play some clips. Uh, the Frito kid was about three to four feet high. He had blonde hair, blue eyes, a cowboy hat, a green and white striped shirt, gloves, a holster with two pistols. Of course. <laughs> of course. It's a child. A belt. Right? Yeah, He's exactly. A, okay. The yeah. Frito kid. It's in his name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a belt, jeans and cowboy boots. His left hand was held up high holding a bag of Fritos. In his right hand, it's pronounced Fritos, by the way. Of course. In his right hand, he held a small pick. When you dropped a nickel in the machine, the Frito kid's eyes and tongue would move <laughs> back and forth like he was licking his lips. Oh, God. And you would hear him talking to his friend Klondike up in the mountain, and it sounded a little something like this. And this is not a point. How about digging another bag of Fritos? Here they come, those delicious golden chips of corn. Yep. There were a lot of those. Wow. Uh, So then Klondike would send up a bag of Fritos, and then the whole thing would start over once another nickel was dropped. The lines of dialogue for both characters were extensive, so it would take quite a while for the lines to be repeated. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. All right. right. Wow. So So extensive. So I want to some points here because a lot has been said. So I want to give points for um, the prices. Back in 1952 for... Um, Five, 55. 55. I want to go ahead and um, give a point for that. Prices Someone else amazing. knows what's good. Yeah. Then I want to give a point for the, um, I'm going to say, way too long dispensing machine that had a person chipping Fritos out of a mountain. A partner of mine wants a bag of Fritos, Klondike. But then yep. I am going to take a point away because oh. they stole it. From someone else, the Frito Pie, that is. So oh. I think that's mm, whoa, wow. wow. So how do you they didn't cite their point. source? Well, you g- generally on the show, the way that we've done anti points is we award a point to the other. Oh well, then we'll award a point to the other. Okay. That dancing gave old Bill the willy, so he wrote them little fillies. Nice. I love this. So <laughs> much power. So much so, power. <laughs> I just want to point out. We, you were talking about the line. Um, moving and and basically i got into my head this idea that like if this were still there now you know for sure there'd be people just like the same person loading quarters into it where it's like Mm -hmm. i want to hear all of them yep (laughs) there would be annual a little recorder up yep (laughs) it's not the same unless you wait you gotta wait until it's gonna get the good one in a little bit give me they would know the order and they would tell you exactly what it's gonna say they'd recite it Yep. Like they do the Hunter Mansion. <laughs> yep. And there would be a pin for every single one. A pin for every phrase. Oh. 100%. And you could that trade is the them. t-shirt. Oh, and a pin a t-shirt. for everyone. My bad. 
Yeah, and a coffee mug. Uh, no, every uh, the T-shirt is every phrase. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so there's like twelve T-shirts. Yeah. Oh, oh, so it's not like a, a like a a band tour T-shirt around the back. It's just a listing oh. of all of them in order. Are you proposing that we steal the dialogue from the Frito Kid for our line yeah. of T-shirts for this podcast? No, we, we, we change it. Merge. We change it. We change it. Hey, Klondike, send up another bag of them Supreme Resorts. <laughs> This one's only three hours long. <laughs> this one's about an outdoor vending cart for four hours. Oh my gosh. Uh, okay. In 1957, when Casa de Fritos moved to the other side of Frontierland, the Frito kid followed. He was set in a barn-style enclosure that was situated just outside the entrance to the restaurant. In his new home, the diorama was reworked. The Frito Kid was moved from the right of the chute to the left, and the mountain itself, where Klondike hung, uh, hangout was redesigned. It is unknown precisely when the Frito Kid was removed from the restaurant, but it was likely around the same time they replaced the Frito Kid with their next mascot, Frito Bandito. Ooh. Frito Ooh. Bandito was voiced by Mel Blanc. Oh, God. But in oh. uh, Looney Tunes fame. But in 1971, after complaints from the National Mexican and Anti-Defamation <laughs> Committee, yep. several protests, and a multi-million-dollar lawsuit, he was replaced by Munch a Bunch, and eventually <laughs> they were replaced by W.C. Frito. I'm sorry. No. Did you just say WC. Munch a Bunch? <laughs> yeah, a Munch a Bunch. It was a bunch of things who liked to munch. Uh huh. Oh, I'm, I'm, it was the Munch. Can I bunch. object to that name. Munch Bunch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it's your court. Okay, well, <laughs> yeah. I object to Munch a Bunch and want to go right to WC Frito. Yeah, well, to be fair, they weren't represented. They weren't represented in the restaurant. I'm just letting you know. Thank goodness. That that's the official mascots of Frito Lay. Um. Oh, yeah, so so this is the rabbit hole part. Yeah, this rabbit. Okay, so okay. <laughs> after after Frito Kid, no, none of these were at Disneyland. He disappeared. But for Frito, Frito Bandito, he was a very racist stereotype of a Mexican with a sombrero and all the trimmings. Mm. Uh, anyway, a, a greater mystery is what exactly happened to the figure of Frito Kid. <laughs> all the trimmings. Dump, dump, dump. <laughs> <laughs> Racist trimmings. <laughs> That's another T-shirt. No, uh, no, that is not a T-shirt. <laughs> yes. Perhaps Frito Kid has just lost a time in history, but perhaps one day he will emerge with from some hidden corner or from somebody's garage or basement. <laughs> with Buzzy. With Buzzy. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. Okay. So at its new location... Casa de Fritos had expanded and added patio seating alongside in and around the restaurant. This is very similar to the seating found in the restaurant today. A senorita with a basket of Fritos would stand near the door with samples. Adjacent to Casa de Fritos was Mineral Hall. This was an exhibit that guests could visit to see unique minerals lit under black light. They could purchase samples from Walt Disney's Mineral Land Rocks and Minerals. Today, Mineral Hall is the checkout area and exit for Rancho del Socolo. Wow. So cool. Mm -hmm. As with Well, that opens up some extra arguments for me. All right. Thanks, Jimmy. Geology (laughs) and chips. I love it. 
As with most shops and restaurants from the early days at Disneyland, photos of Casa de Fritos are rare. After all, it was the rides and shows and icons like Main Street USA and Sleeping Beauty Castle that were the subjects of most photographs. Trying to locate photos of Casa de Fritos in its first or second location is practically impossible, as well as pictures of the Frito Kid. Thankfully, there are two photos that have made their way online. We know exactly where the Frito Kid once stood. (laughs) If you want to find his first location today, you'll need to head over to the River Bell Terrace. There are two false entrances that no longer provide access to the building, yet there are still doors there. They can be found along the wall that faces the patio of the restaurant. The do- the left door would have been the entrance of Casa de Fritos, and the Frito Kid would have stood right inside of it. At the second location where Rancho del Soclo currently is, see, I mentioned Rancho del Soclo. You did. <laughs> there is a decorative. It? There's a decorative fireplace to the left of the restaurant's main entrance. It is here in front of the restaurant, just next to the fireplace, that the Frito Kid was located. Can I just for say, for listener, if you are telling yourself, I'm going to look that up at some point, please, as you do, take your headphones out, listen at full volume while Jamie explains that, and you do mm-hmm. a Google search, and make sure that like your family and everyone else is around. That's right. And <laughs> for a visual reference, head on over to ImagineeringDisney.com. There's all the visuals. You can see it. That is so cool. So if I heard you correctly, there is a Frito Kid door still in existence. The door is still there, but if you open it, it's a wall. Gotcha. I think we should give points for the door for the kid. I agree. That's so cool. A partner of mine wants a bag of Fritos, Klondike. Um, And I would be (laughs) remiss not to give one for the tongue and eyes moving like licking (laughs) his lips because that's just enough of creepy. Mm-hmm. Got a customer? Send up another bag of Fritos, Klondike. <laughs> well, I see how this is going. So that is the history of Rancho del Socolo. <coughs> Olay. And I have only one other point <laughs> for the rest of the episode. Oh, I'm playing the long yes, game. You are. Okay, I see how this goes. I, I, it's right. Counter arguments. Let me put it that way. But okay, okay. All right. Are you ready? <laughs> we ready for the hit. We ready for the history of Pecos Bill's Tall Tale Inn and Cafe. We are. Please proceed. All right. Here's a tall tale straight from the chuck wagon, just the way the old timers used to tell it. <laughs> According to them, Pecos Bill was the roughest, toughest, rootinest, tootinest, shootinest cowpoke that ever lived. Objection. Well, any Your story Honor. about old Pecos <laughs> Rootinest, tootinest? What? Rootinest, tootinest? Okay, if it works for IHOP, it works for Is it because IHOP, it's Mexican it food and there's tooting? Rootinest, tootinest? Uh, you, Your Honor, uh... Uh, my, my monologue's being... Sorry, I won't, I won't do that. I don't think you can Go object ahead. an opening statement. Ob- object- <laughs> objection sustained. Overruled. Objection history is a lie. <laughs> it's a construct. Just run with it. <laughs> Law! Bang, bang, gavel. That's the end. That was it. I made the one joke. I'm done. Uh, please start at rootinest, tootinest, shootinest. Rootinest, tootinest, shootinest cowpoke that ever lived. Well, any story about old Pecos is bound to be right strong medicine, so maybe it's best to sashay into it kind of gentle-like. So, so says the narrator of Melody Time, the Disney movie from 1948. Wow. This is where our story begins. 
uh, Pecos Bill uh, it was actually uh, before his his Disney origin uh, was was first published or first referenced in a published work in 1923's The Saga of Pecos Bill by Edward O'Reilly in the Century Magazine. Uh, as with so many tall tales from the Old West, uh, it's unclear where this character really had his origins, but uh, Edward O'Reilly uh, was the first one to put a name to this particular uh, legendary figure. Uh, Disney's Melody Time in 1948 was the 12th animated film and the 5th package film from Disney Studios. Before this movie, we had a few other uh, package films, including Saludos Amigos, The Three Caballeros, Make My Music, Fun and Fancy Free, uh, and unfortunately, the final film in the package film series, The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Now, Eric, uh, um, I have a friend who has been listening to these shows, and David Sally. There's some basic things that I think we take for. <laughs> I think there's some basic things that we take for granted that people know. Can you explain what a package film is? This is a great point. So uh, the, we all know about the early films in in Disney's history. The the first being Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Uh, the the idea was Disney spent ridiculous amounts of money to completely change the way the public looked at animated. The, the, animation as an art form creating the the animated the the feature film length animated movie and this this changed everything from the the smaller shorter animated films we had been used to uh but as we hit the 40s uh we unfortunately entered into another world war and disney's Studios were kind of ransacked by uh, young men running off to war, and as a result, we, the Disney Studios, were just trying to get along. They're they're trying to get something out there. So by putting out these smaller package films, they could have a few short animated features that were stitched together into a longer, into a longer package. That really, that none of these films had anything. They had nothing. If you say package film one more time, I wondered sure, when it was the packages. Film. I knew somebody was going to bust the, the packaged package. films. Oh, the packaged God. films had nothing to do with each other because uh, that's what a package sometimes is. It's a it's a package of various right. op, uh, options that you can watch into uh, a full uh, hour and a half to two hours. Packages are like so, snowflakes. Uh, there's there's no two that are like. There's no two. Oh God. <laughs> Yeah, especially um, the short ones. Oh boy! <laughs> oh boy! So Disney made its money by kind of scraping by, putting together cheap and and uh, easier to produce. Poorly to made packages. <laughs> they weren't poorly made. Uh, 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 they they're just easier to produce because they were made on the fly, following- so to speak. <laughs> Remember in the seventies when? <laughs> Never mind. 
Somebody's got to make Jimmy started this. I'm sorry. Oh my goodness. I was off. Is it at the third quarter yet? Because we're already devolving. If if I if I if I promise not to say package anymore, can we continue? Replace it with replace it with band organ. Can we put cover on the package and just move on? Oh gosh. So because of the the well ultimately the the failure of things like uh like Fantasia um in the early days we found Disney found that they could create a a feature that a, a short film that would go along with more ab- <laughs> abstract abstract imagery so melody time was no no different oh my the jury has lost it <laughs> Mary Blair and Claude Coates created a lot of the color and styling. They do a package <laughs> Design. Oh. One of the short films was called Little Toot. Okay, let's move <laughs> on here. <laughs> I'm sorry, what package was the toot in? Rudeness toot this film. Uh, uh, fu- uh, back it off. Bring the kids in. This is, this is uh, a great show for them. Like... <laughs> Let's learn about the legend of Johnny Appleseed, which immediately uh, preceded Little Toot. Oh, my. Well, oh, um, so Melody Time was a bunch of short are full films. Of fiber, so yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Uh, the final short film in this, I'm going to say it, package, was Pecos Bill. It was 22 minutes long. Um Animated by Ollie Johnston, John Lounsbury, Milt Call, and Ward Kimball. Ward did the principal work on Pecos Bill himself. The film is 22 minutes long and is, uh, or the portion is 22 minutes long, narrated by Roy Rogers, Bob Nolan, and the Sons of the Pioneers, who provided a lot of the, uh, the soundtrack to, uh, this particular film portion. Uh, the, the story is interestingly enough being told so Roy Rogers comes out, legendary cowboy, telling us a story about Pecos Bill. He's telling the story to none other than Bobby Driscoll and Luana Patton. Ooh. We all know these two children from 1946's, everybody say it together now, the Song, Song of the South. Of the South. <laughs> yes. The same children are learning the story of Pecos Bill from Roy Rogers. Ooh, is it just as troubling as Song of the South? <laughs> no. Uh, well. I mean, he does smoke a cigarette. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that. So Pecos Bill was an orphan who was raised in the desert by coyotes. He outloped the antelope, outhopped the jackrabbit, and outhissed the rattlesnake. Uh, he was just a, you know, a, a legendary, tall-tale sort of character where a lot of random occurrences in the Old West were attributed to him. Um, he fought 50 buzzards at once to rescue his horse that he named Widowmaker, and that was his, his horse that he always rode. The love of his life was Slewfoot Sue, as we'll get into. Uh, he tamed a cyclone while smoking a cigarette, which was later removed um, in uh, 1998 uh, when the film was uh, re-released. Uh, he created the Gulf of Mexico by bringing rain from California, presumably leaving none rain behind, as we have seen. Uh, he started the gold rush by knocking out the teeth and gold fillings out of a bunch of cat- cattle rustlers who are after his herd. Um, he's, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of little 
clever tales attributed to him in this particular short. Uh, there was a longer movie in 1995 that I guarantee um, only uh, David S. has ever seen. <laughs> it's uh, Disney's Tall Tale. Uh, he was played in this movie by Patrick Swayze. Oh, God. <laughs> so I Do you think he had the time of his life down. making that movie? I bet he did. <laughs> Probably, because he was also paired with Oliver Platt, who played oh, Paul Bunyan. Wow. Probably put Paul um, Bunyan in the corner. <laughs> the, the essential the essential tale of this movie is that the the these heroes from tall tales helped a young boy rescue his farm from a land baron uh the movie failed to recoup its 32 million dollar budget wow that's swayze money right there that's swayze money that is swayze money 30 million is swayze that's such a mid 90s disney move be like wow yeah right? kids want to see this yeah. Give him Pecos Bill as Patrick Swayze. What? You know how yeah, you know how much the kids love <laughs> Tales of Pecos Bill and Patrick Swayze. Right. <laughs> now Unbelievable. Pecos Bill was also featured in a song um in the original uh Golden Horseshoe uh mm-hmm. Golden Horseshoe review, uh which uh, is where the, the sound that for 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 my points came from uh where uh, they they retell a lot of these same these same beats from the animated feature the particular moment that this uh sound came from is when uh Pecos Bill reportedly went to Paris and saw the ladies dancing and was so flummoxed by them that he uh roped them and kidnapped them and brought them to uh, Anaheim to dance for all of you oh I'm sorry. Yeah. No, yes. Bill was a trafficker. <laughs> In this particular case, yes. Well, right. didn't we? That was like a, a point of contention on one of our shows that we were talking about which came first on something and, and or the name of something and it was Pecos Bill's Golden Horseshoe Review. Right. Yeah. No, it's Slewfoot Sue's because Slewfoot Sue owns the establishment because she wanted it in a card game. Gotcha. What was that episode we were talking about? And I was arguing that Pegasus Bill's Golden Horseshoe. Anyway, it doesn't I think it was the one where we, mm-hmm. where we discovered that Eric has never been into either of the horseshoe saloons. But we weren't arguing the saloon. I have been in the Diamond Horseshoe Saloon in uh, Walt Disney World. Hmm. Uh, hmm. I don't remember which show that was. Anyway, but matter. Yeah, I don't think I was on it yet. <laughs> okay. Um... Yeah, that's wow bad. So that's that's the tale of Pecos Bill. Glad I ended on that particular note. <laughs> um, <laughs> when Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom opened up in 1971, it opened with uh, Pecos Bill's Cafe and Frontierland as one of the few the few areas where you could get food in in uh, in the land. Uh, Pepsi Cola and Fritos, Frito. which at the time were already known as PepsiCo. Um, they, oh, coming back. they had sponsored the the Country Bear Jamboree, which we need to cover in an episode at some point, and its adjoining mile-long bar and the also adjoining Pecos Cafe. Now, the mile-long bar was a uh, feature in Disneyland that was in a, a deeper portion of Disneyland, but as you exited Country Bear Jamboree, you entered into the mile-long bar where the the heads of uh, the 
the uh, the the animals from uh, Country Bear Jamboree would continue singing to you. Uh, are you referring um, to Max Buff and Melvin? I was about to say yes, <laughs> not the heads of the bears, but Max Buff <laughs> and Melvin. Oh my goodness. I realize as I'm saying this, I'm like I am saying this portion incorrectly. <laughs> hope hope um, you kids enjoyed the last show of the uh, Country Bears. <laughs> and now on a wall. We've mounted them on the wall. <laughs> they still sing. <laughs> they can still sing for like a little bit longer. <laughs> Yeehaw. Uh, but yes, they continue to to serenade you as you entered into the mile long bar. Um, which was mile long because it had mirrors on either side that made it look longer than it was. Uh, no alcohol was served at the mile long bar, as with most uh, bar named places in the Magic Kingdom. Uh, Your Honor, may I approach the bench? Oh, absolutely. Please approach. Your attention, please. <laughs> hey, everybody. Uh, I just wanted to take a break in the action here right now to uh, have a quick interlude with uh, a celebrity guest my goodness we have here christopher cross oh my goodness takes me away to where i've always heard oh my goodness yeah yeah we we all know the songs uh my goodness what a legacy uh thank you for being here between the moon and new york city I know yeah, it's that, crazy. That's, that's, uh, that's two of the songs that we all know and love. Um, Arthur's theme and the other Sailing one. Um, takes me away. Yeah, 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 that's great. Uh, we, we all appreciate here at uh, the Supreme Resort, you and your uh, involvement with the, uh, the, the food when and wine festival. in the moon. <laughs> At Epcot Center. Um, so, Christopher, uh, what, can I call you Christopher, or, or do I need to call you Fur? Sailing uh, takes me away to where I'm always I, I think what, uh, what, what Fur is trying to say is that uh, he really enjoyed his last trip to Walt Disney World. The best uh, that through. you can do. The best that you can do. The best that anybody can do is uh, Concierge, who have taken their time and effort to hook him up with the best rooms possible, the best rates. When they found a better room, they gave him that rate at uh, without without him having to do a thing. They just take me away. I've just been quietly in the corner. I'm I'm Ted, uh, Mr. Cross's agent. You might want to let him know that you can also do. cruises well that's that's right i mean disney's Sailing. not not this is gonna do some concierge can also book you for your cruise they'll find you the best stateroom on the boat can you take for your me test away key can yes they can take me test away key, key. So I can find there, or you can just lounge around in the the water and drink a drink a, a you know mai tai in in the ocean breeze, or you can uh, hang out on the boat and uh, and and do things on the boat. Also, when you get caught between the moon, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Caribbean cruises generally don't go to New York City, but uh, they do depart from Cape Canaveral 
uh, multiple times throughout the year, uh, depending on the year that you are listening to this and uh, the year that you are COVID. Is that uh, Keswicky? Is that when you get caught between the moon and New York City? You got spoken word out of him, and that's that's <laughs> that wow. is a breakthrough. I have I know to say, it's crazy. What, it is. See? But it's true. <laughs> If you could cut between the moon and New York City, the best that you can do, the best that you can do is fall in love. Uh, Your Honor, may I approach the bench? There's a, a game you can buy called Mouse Adventure in a Box, which was purchased for me for my birthday. And one of the clues had to do with the Golden Horseshoe Review, Pecos Bill, Slufutsu. So it had nothing to do with this podcast. It was <laughs> Steve. So it was an internal sidebar. Yes. It was but an internal fair, argument I had with my wife. To be fair, it sounds like something we would talk about. It is Absolutely. 100%, which is why I thought it was here. But it is Mouse Adventure <laughs> in a Box. Highly recommended for one and all. <laughs> Argue with your spouse. <laughs> about something else. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, no, it was 1952. Right. No, it was 1955. When, anyway. Wow. Go ahead. So, if you continued past the mile long bar, you'd end up in the Pecos Cafe, as it was originally called. Uh, the products of PepsiCo were featured exclusively in these locations, in addition to Pepsi Cola, Diet Pepsi, and Team, Pepsi's answer to the refreshing taste of Sprite. Mm. Uh, team being a lemon lime flavored soft drink produced by the Pepsi Cola Company, introduced in 1960. Uh, it was eventually discontinued in 1984 due to declining sales. So that's mm. why Crystal Pepsi happened. Mm, Crystal Pepsi was much later. Lemon Lime Slice was introduced to replace it. Team in the early 1990s. <laughs> Eric, I need this. <laughs> uh, counselor, please don't address the jury. Jury, you can have your Crystal Pepsi moment. Thank you. <laughs> Points to the jury for Crystal Pepsi. Uh, why do we do that for that? Uh Ding. <laughs> ding. That's the sound of the jury. <laughs> ah, ding. <laughs> so in addition to Pepsi Cola Diet, Pepsi and Team, uh, the restaurant also served uh, snacks including uh, the Fritos brand. Frito. <laughs> corn chips. Thanks, Klondike. Both brands were served throughout the park, but, it, but especially in Pecos Bill's Cafe. Oh, my. Um, 
The the restaurant did prove to be fairly popular, and in 1998 uh, was uh, was added onto uh, the mile long bar was closed and added into the Pecos Bill Cafe as a new saloon entrance, being becoming the main entrance to Pecos Bill's Cafe. Uh, as we will talk about in the uh, actual time portion of the session. It's, um, there's a mile-long bar, or there was a mile-long bar at Disneyland. I still mm-hmm. don't understand it. Do we need to do a mile-long bar v. mile-long bar episode? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. Clearly. Yes. <sighs> Walt Disney World's closed <laughs> on January 5th, 1998. <laughs> when did yours close? Disneyland's closed in Winnie the Pooh time. <laughs> did Melvin the Moose buff the buffalo and Max the deer adorn the wall and sing to people I as they know, left? I uh, know. So the Country Bear Jamboree. Okay, so um, we really do need to cover Country Bear Jamboree at some point somehow because I yeah we've got to figure that to, out. I loved that thing as a kid so much, um, and I remember distinctly seeing Max Buff and Melvin at the Mile Long Bar, but I remember always wondering why they weren't singing. Hmm. Oh. So I think it was a transplant thing. I think it was like, this is just complete speculation on my part, but it kind of makes sense that because I believe, and I, again, I haven't really looked into this and I look forward to it. Um, that the Disney world had country bear jamboree first. And then Disneyland was like, I want one too. And so they built it and then they were probably wanted to replicate the mile long bar, but because you don't exit directly into it, Mm. it wouldn't make sense for, and it would also be cost prohibitive for them to have the, uh, the singing heads, you know, but those are the heads that you see in poo now, right? If you look behind you, aren't those heads still there? Oh, I hadn't heard that. Yeah. I think Um, is it all three or is it just, it is all three. I mean, it's all three. Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. If you look over your shoulder, those heads are still there. There's, it's interesting there. You guys should do an episode on that. We have nothing to compare it to is the problem, but it's really a fascinating history. Like it started with a ski resort. (laughs) <laughs> called Mineral King. <laughs> you know what? I've I've read a lot about Mineral King, and it's really interesting. It is that uh, it was something Walt Disney really wanted to I do, know. but after he died, the company just wasn't able to keep it going. Yeah, there's just no way for us uh, to do the, it because there's they're nothing fighting to against it to. the yeah well, the Sierra Club. And then there was, I, I believe, mean, there was a family goodness. involved. I think it was the Stoneman family. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I think John Ritter was involved just shortly before he. I think he got was involved. his dad. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah again, I, it's sad that we haven't actually like done the, the research. Well, um, someday we'll figure it out. Yeah. Well, now I must award points to Eric because I have been taking voluminous notes. Oh, yes, I'm voluminous. Yes. So, rootinist, tootinist, shootinist. Since you said it hmm. twice, because I made you, gets a point. That dancing game, old Bill the Willie, so I'll, he wrote I'll do it as I'm told. <laughs> and um, we're going to give one point for package, even though you said it 83 times. That dancing game, old Bill the Willie, so he wrote them little fillies. Um, one for mile long bar, um, only because I'm very thirsty and my bartender is on the other side of this very thick door. Oh, that no. dancing game, old Bill the Willie, so he wrote them little fillies. 
and I have to give one to Rancho Zocolo. I said that wrong, but uh, for trafficking. Del Zocolo. For trafficking. Good. Yeah, it's a good call. Dig those I, chips. I, I so. Dig that gold. Dig those chips of corn. It's jingle bells for everybody's reference. <laughs> yeah. Christmas yeah. time. In case oh. you're new to uh. the planet, this is jingle <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, Jingle Bells stole it from the Frito Kid. <laughs> Those are the original we lyrics. We can prove that. <clears throat> Very good, Eric. Um, so th- I, right. I don't know that I have anywhere else to go. Um, <laughs> I, I think I want to talk. I want to have a conversation about the restaurants. I, w- I want to get a little personal about it. So if you have prepared statements, feel free, because I really don't have anything. Or should we just have a yeah, conversation? Yeah, I think... I think the the two points that we should discuss based on uh, on the the I guess where where I had hoped we would go. Let's talk about the restaurants themselves, what they offer in a in a very real fashion, okay. not just reading Disney uh, Disney PR. Uh, but cite yourself. <laughs> I just, I I wasn't aware that anyone was doing that. <laughs> oh, that's weird. Um, but then also talk about the let let's actually address the impact on the land because I think both have yeah. a significant impact, and I. I, it, they're 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 both really like a major portion of land, and I would assume that mine is better. Oh wow! Um, okay, so I'm prepared <laughs> to make that argument. I, so for the the restaurant itself, it it does feel now as a Mexican restaurant, it, it feels it, it's got a Mexican feel, right? You've got Adobe style. Um, it's you know a lot of the you know, sort of the the cut glass and that kind of feel. It feels very Mexican. There are Mexican entrees, you've got citrus fire grilled chicken, enchilada platters, carne asada enchiladas, street tacos, burrito sonora, which is the only thing I've ever ordered since <laughs> 1985. <laughs> um, Tostada, there's something about California Mexican food you just they can't find anywhere else. Um, Can you find team anywhere there? There's no team. team there's no team, the, but you can get Sprite. The, the taste of Sierra Mist, but... <laughs> earlier (laughs) so yeah it's they've got a couple of different stations it's it's a cafeteria right and cafeteria style you get a tray you get your silverware you go to multiple different windows depending on what you want and you order what you want you pay for it and you leave it's the seating is all outside because it's california and it can be um most of the outside seating is covered some of it with permanent roofs some with you know some sort of tents or overhangs you can still get a little bit wet in some areas, but it's a very quaint, nice hacienda style feel of a Mexican restaurant, which I personally love. It is 100% historical, emotional, but it's one of those things that I don't remember ever going to Disneyland and not eating at Rancho, Casa, whatever. Right. There, There is some indoor seating. But it's to not be, to like be fair. inside air conditioned. It is it is still outside, but it's covered because the entire inside well, there's four Dan, walls. No, there are a few seats. I, I understand like it wasn't always like this, but there are some seats that are in like an indoor area, but they're very minimal. I'm just saying I, if we come I, down to a yeah. point where it comes down to, well, this place has absolutely no indoor seating. So we're going to say it's bad for that. Like it does have yeah, a l- small just, amount. I I apologize. Maybe I did not do a good job. All I can think of is I walk into the building where I can feel air conditioning. I order my food. I walk outside after I've paid 
and I do not sit in air conditioning. There's nowhere to sit in air conditioning. Right. Well, that's because we we know that there's going to be so few. There are seats, but they're usually taken. So you just make a beeline for outdoors because why not? That's it's crazy. California anyway. I had yeah, no idea. Find the shade. I cannot picture that. Yeah, I, I've never sat there. I did not realize that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Dan's right. Yeah, I've never sat there either because it is always full, even first thing in the morning. Yeah. But it, I mean, there may as there. well be none, but there is some. Where I don't want to belabor the point. But no, yeah, yes. Yeah. The, the point is that Rancho is mostly outdoor seating with some inside, and uh, Pecos Bills is all inside with some outside, and that is 100% due to the geography with which they're presented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really hard to eat your Mexican food in the rain. Yes. I mean, Fritos mm. don't hold up well, even if Klondike hits them really hard. Mm. No, that's right. And yeah, <laughs> that was the um, the follow-up to November Rain that Axl Rose wrote, but they never recorded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Frito Rain? It's hard to eat your Mexican food in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> I only wanted to see her laughing in the Frito Rain. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> freedom rain, freedom rain. Oh, I'm taking a point the, for that. The, it's the, wait, which direction is it going in? Which one? Me. <laughs> okay, ding. <laughs> Christy's point. Yay! Sorry. Uh, yeah. So um, that that's sort of again. This is 100 percent opinion, which the rest of this for me is going to be. Um, so Eric, go ahead. Okay, well, when it comes to the the actual food portion, um, uh, when it comes to the, I guess, the, the restaurant portion I'll talk about in relation to the land um, after this portion. But uh, it's, it, this is, as I mentioned in, the, in my intro, the bi- biggest quick service restaurant in, in the park. It's, it's 1,107 seats. It's three giant rooms. It used to be smaller, kind of sprawling, interconnected rooms. Now they just made it a little bit bigger because everyone wants to go there. The food is generally regarded as as quality food for the money. It's essentially, uh, it, it's essentially a, a giant chipotle with hamburgers. Uh, I mean, you can get fajita platters, you can get pork carnitas nachos, or a rice bowl with carnitas. Uh, chicken rice bowl, chicken nachos. It, it's it's that that Chipotle style of. Do you want nachos, rice bowl, fajitas, tacos? What do you want? We'll put the meat in it. You can get these things. You can get it on a salad. There's a Southwest salad. There are black bean nachos if you want. Um, a a, a vegetarian option. There's a you know that it's it's just one of those mix and match sort of things. And when you know pre COVID. It also had this enormous uh, fixins bar mm. gotcha. where you could just put whatever else you wanted on there. Sour cream, um, which, as we've established with my appearance on my recent appearance on uh, the Star Wars show, uh, is is uh, an abomination to nature so that we can continue the anger and resentment toward this podcast. <laughs> yep. Um, by the way, check out Banter Besker and Bantha Milk um, <laughs> featuring me. <laughs> Because you can hear me, and that's the the uh, Jedi episode. Yes, the Jedi which was a episode thirteen. Episode Ahsoka Tano. It was. Don't. It was so good. Spoilers. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no spoilers. 
So here's here's something I'll say about this. I got and so I, I got just to help you both out. Eric, are you saying that I could, if I want to, put any of the taco fixins or burrito fixins on my burger where the burger fixins would normally go, and that I normally can't do it anywhere else? You could do that, and if you had an imaginary burger, which is the new burger from Impossible Burger, uh, you could take an imaginary burger and put whatever you wanted on there as well. You could have a pile of lettuce and sour cream and salsa and banana peppers and mustard and ketchup and whatever you want. And Jimmy, I I, I have to say. What, one thing that you left out in your very, very nice uh, description of the location is, are you by an attraction by chance? Yeah, I, I haven't yeah, gotten there yet. Okay. I think I think that both oh, Eric and I land. have a point about an attraction. So, right. but, but while we're talking about food, I'm just a layman, right? I'm, I'm not from Mexico. I'm from California. I eat a lot of California Mexican food. And the entrees at this restaurant are very robust. Like you get a lot of food. Oh yeah, for the money you spend. I'm not saying it's good, good food, for, uh, good value for the quantity. It's still expensive, but there are 12 entrees, and uh, all the salsa you can even muster. <laughs> but <laughs> but I will say that the toppings bars that Disney World does are phenomenal. Like grilled onions. You know, non-grilled onions, jalapenos. Pick, I mean, you name it. At, at virtually all of the the quick service dining, there's so many condiment options. The um, Starlight Cafe, but uh, but I the the inconsistency of the food at Pecos Bills to the point where you're getting hamburgers and whatever. I, I like the consistency of Rancho. I like the the size of the entrees you're getting. The uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's authentic Mexican food. So I, I really like that aspect of it, but personally, I have to give it up on the condiments for for Pecos. But it's up to the judge to decide what's valuable. Uh, I should point out that Rancho does have the American side. I, I mean, one of the counters is more American, isn't it? Don't they? I think they don't do that anymore. Yeah, it's not on their oh, current okay. menu. There's, a, I mean, there's a Caesar mm. salad, right? You can get. You know, but mostly it's burritos, nachos, uh, street tacos, cauliflower tacos. But there are there, a couple of salads. There was a time that they did have barbecue <laughs> options, but I guess right. they figured that yeah. if you have Big Thunder barbecue, which is <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> true, <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> Moment of silence for Big Thunder barbecue. Uh, all you can eat meat just brought to you. <laughs> so I do want to pause for a minute and give some points out because Jimmy, I think you made a really poignant point. Gosh, that's a terrible way to say that. But what I really wanted to hone in on is the fact that you go in, you can get some air conditioning, you can cool off and get your food. And sometimes you have to wait, like if they're bringing something out or changing a chafing dish or whatever, but then you can go sit outside and you're covered. So you can still have that outside al fresco ambiance, but you're not, you know, crammed inside hearing trays slam around because sometimes yeah, that can really true. take away from it. Mm, um, that is true. So, so that's a point. Point, right? Wake up, Klondike! But then I wanted to hone in on something that Eric said too about Pecos Bill and the fact that it's Florida. It's hot. You're inside. My problem is that sometimes when you're inside, all you hear is noise. And as somebody who sometimes needs a break from a bunch of noise... 
I want to be inside. And if it's too noisy, but I still think it's a point that it's inside seating and that it's all inside seating. So you know what you're getting when you walk in the door. So point for yeah, and I think the point there that I was trying to make earlier is that both things accommodate the climate. Absolutely. Right. Pecos has a massive dining room because it's a quick service, a good quality quick service restaurant. And you've got a ton of indoor dining. Um, right. Whereas California, it's mostly good weather. Even when they say it's hot, it's not right. really that hot. Especially once you get in the shade, it's not hot anymore. Well, and if there's a breeze in California, I'm sorry. But if you're outside undercover and there's a little bit of a breeze, it's beautiful. Exactly. Whereas in Florida, if you're outside and there's a breeze, it's hotter. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Just blowing more the humidity. The air is the problem. Right. It's like God's hair dryer. Fan in a sauna. Yay, you. Yeah. No, I love the inside. Um, the one other thing I wanted to say is that being a person who doesn't eat cows or pigs and eats very little meat, I really, really appreciate it on both of their menus. So I'm giving a point to both. Um, that not only there are impossible burgers, there are cauliflower tacos. There's something to eat for everybody. So that's a mm. point to both. And you can play those in any order you want. Let's see. How, okay. I'm going to try this. Love it. <laughs> Dueling points. My favorite. Uh, Jimmy, while we're on that particular topic, do you have a ridiculous amount of allergy friendly menus at, uh, I mean, it's California, so you would assume de, de Mexicana. so, but uh, I would assume I, I don't see anything listed as far as allergy stuff. And they usually don't list that on the main menu. It's usually a sub menu. Um, True. But yeah, there are 12 entrees and, and there are four kids entrees. But the other thing I want to point out, um, and this, Christy, judge, you, you can decide whether this is good or bad, but. The price range for adult entrees is between twelve fifty and sixteen dollars, and I think you're going to probably find a better. Now, there's a lot of food, but I think you'll probably find a better value for a family at Pecos Bill. It this is, but I mean, it, the the entre, as as far as value is concerned, most are between ten and twelve dollars at Pecos Bills. Yeah. Uh. So. I guess there there's some some of the kids' meals are about seven dollars, seven eight dollars. Um, so value wise, I don't know that. It, I guess it it is a few dollars cheaper, and it, it's a similar similarly large amount of food. Yeah, I did want I to point don't out know about that. I think that's that's the biggest difference is that the quantity of food you're getting at Rancho is in the quality and quantity is is significantly better. I think than the quality and quantity of food you're getting at Pecos. So Jimmy, are you, expensive. do you think that two people could share an adult uh, entree? I, I think that I've done it at both Rancho and at um, at Pecos. So okay. it's possible okay. at both, but that's splitting a hamburger at Pecos versus splitting a giant burrito at you know at Rancho. So it depends on what kind of person you are and how much you eat, I guess. Can, can I talk about the, the type of people that there are in the world? Uh, because official, official menus, gluten slash wheat allergy friendly, egg allergy friendly, fish slash shellfish allergy friendly, milk allergy friendly, peanut slash tree nut allergy friendly, and soy allergy friendly menus. All official Walt Disney World. 
Yeah. Pecos I do want to take a pause and give um, a point to Jimmy um, based on the value, because you're absolutely right. It's way easier to split a platter of Mexican food than it is a hamburger. But I want Quit to eating those Fritos and send up another bag. <laughs> but I want to give a point to Pecos for <laughs> adaptability. Um, if you can grab like a plain hamburger for your kid who doesn't like anything and send them over to the condiment bar and let them make their own burger. That's huge. That may save the day. That dance he gave old Bill the willy, so he wrote them little fillies. This is a nail biter, folks. Well, and I wondered if the extensive allergy menu has something to do with the fact that, I mean, yeah, ultimately Disney wants to make money, but if you're at Disneyland, you're not in a situation where you absolutely cannot eat something because there's stuff outside the berm. So there's probably right. less less of an urgency to be like, look, we have to. We because at, at Disney World, it's like, okay, well, if you want to get something that you can eat, you have to go on a monorail, and then you have to right. then go to like Kissimmee, you right. know. Well, and who wants to, especially if you're traveling with like friends, family, a large family. Who wants to have to sit down and divide and conquer and figure out who's going to the vegan restaurant? Who's going to take Jimmy over to the soy friendly restaurant? Where are the people who, you know, are gluten sensitive going when we can all go here? That's true. It's huge. And I I think it might also be part of the fact that I didn't research that part of it. And it's not (laughs) abundantly. I can't go onto Disneyland's app and get that information because it's not giving any information on the Because it's closed. closed, So. (laughs) Well, it's it's entirely possible, but yeah. yeah, it really when you look at the the list, it, the most of these dishes are probably fine on their own. Um, it, it really most of these aren't going to have tree nuts in them. Most of these aren't going to have gluten in them because they're corn based chips, and most of these aren't going to have soy in them. So it. When it comes to the allergy friendly menus, it's probably not that much different, but it's very it's it's interesting that they're able to point this out to to families who want to investigate that option because it's it's a quick service restaurant. It's not a sit down restaurant where you've got a chef who says, I'm going to prepare this on a separate grill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but I've I've had that experience at both at both parks, by the way, where. You go to Jolly Holiday in, in Disneyland and there will be when. You order something gluten-free, the chef will come out and explain how he's going to prepare that for you. This just in. uh, At Disneyland.Disney.Go.com forward slash dining forward slash Disneyland forward slash Rancher Delzo Calo forward slash restaurants dot menus. At GoDaddy.com. Allergy-friendly. Go.com. Allergy-friendly menus available upon request. So, Okay. So I think that should be a point. But but there, to each. but the menu is has nothing on it because it's not allergy friendly. <laughs> I think it should be a point. I'm ranking them up here. Right, Right, Klondike. It keeps going. You know that thing ran for four minutes. Eric, you've got you've got more details of the restaurant. I want to hear about the dining. Okay, let's let's talk about the restaurant and I'll I'll just transition that into its impact on the land because they're they're fairly they it's all pretty well intertwined. Um not the same way that Patrick Swayze is intertwined with Disney because of his appearance in 1995's Tall Tale playing Pecos Bill. Swayze. I'm on 
I'm on the wrong page of my my brainwaves. Um, <laughs> well, while you're flipping your brainwaves, um, anyone wanting to keep track, I believe, Christy, correct me if I'm wrong, we got Pecos Bill at nine points and Zocalo at ten. Absolutely. Okay. Ooh. This is this is a high scoring. Yeah, I like it. Episode. I like the way you judge, Christy. I'm very judgy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the All way, right. just as a so, reminder, the jury has a point and the judge has a point too. Don't want to leave that out. Right. Right. <laughs> Ooh. So uh, they, they have points that they can award at their own behest. Like Dan, if he chooses, he can award no his point to one of us. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I didn't know that was something to spoil. Wow. <laughs> That'd be my surprise ending. This is a thrill a minute episode, everybody. <laughs> you thought this was an episode about quick service restaurants, and you were right. Uh, the current state of the restaurant uh, of Pecos Bills, uh, unlike most of the imagineering backstories attributed to a random attraction or location in a park, this particular backstory is actually written out and available to see inside the restaurant. Uh, the restaurant was opened in 1878 by Pecos Bill himself. And if you'll allow me, I, I, do, you, do you want to actually hear me read the entire like backstory? It's, yep. it's actually quite lengthy. <laughs> let's, let's do it. Yeah. Right. Right. That's what this, have you, okay. have you ever listened to this show? This is, I, I have listened to this show uh, almost as many times as I've listened to scraping the vault on the years <laughs> up podcast yeah. network. Wow. Listen to Ears Up and uh, all of its great offerings, including Banter, Besker, and Bantha Milk, featuring me. Um, Eric, do you want story time music? Yeah, let's go for it. Okay. Let's, let's set the mood. don't know what I just it's, loaded. It's a Western story, so. Okay, well, I just loaded okay. something blind, so let's see. Go for it. Okay. Considered by many as the meanest, wait, wait. Considered by many as the meanest, toughest, roughest cowboy of them all. Pecos Bill has been credited for inventing all things Western, from rodeos to cowboy dancing to spurs, hats, and lassos. He can draw faster, shoot straighter, and ride a horse harder than any man alive. Unfortunately, we don't know when and where he was born, just that he was raised by coyotes and that his name comes from the river in Texas. Over the years, Pecos Bill, along with his trusty horse, Widowmaker... Is there a Pecos Bill River in Texas? Uh, no, the, the it's the Pecos River. Oh, I thought it was the Bill yeah. River. No, oh, Bill was the name of the no, yeah. yeah, The Bill River is actually in Arkansas. Ah. <laughs> As oh, I hear it's this, called. This music is perfect for him talking about <laughs> oh, whipping out absolutely. lassos. And he says Western like weird disco. <laughs> Over the years, Pecos Bill, along with his trusty horse Widowmaker, have made quite a name for themselves, forging new trails and taming others. Legend tells us several tall tales like the time Pecos Bill jumped on a powerful twister and rode it like a bucking brock. <laughs> Why does this sound like Disney after dark? I just, I just had no idea, by the way. <laughs> it's perfect. Keep going. Don't stop. Don't stop. Then Don't there was stop. the time Pecos... <laughs> Then there was the time Pecos Bill dug out a path to create the Rio Grande Rivers during a severe drought that hit his beloved Texas. And then there was the day Pecos Bill was was so bored he took his handy six-shooter and shot out all the stars in the sky except for one. Shot That's why they call Texas the Lone Star State. One 
wondered why. In 1878, with the encouragement of his friends, Pecos Bill decided to open his own <laughs> watering hole. A restaurant whose motto very much reflects his one-of-a-kind owner. The tastiest eats, eats and treats this side of the Rio Grande. Pecos Bill called it the Tall Tale Inn Cafe. It quickly became a popular hangout for some of his legendary friends. As time went by, it became a tradition when each friend paid a visit, they would leave something behind for Pecos Bill to remember them by. As you can all see from these artifacts and articles that don the walls, many of which carry inscriptions, Pecos Bill had some muddy, impressive friends. Seems that every trail eventually led to the Tall Tale Inn and Cafe. Okay. Wow. It's very nice, Eric. That's so awesome. can you tell us some of the things that are adorning the walls? I can. Uh, so when during this refurb in 1998, where they expanded the uh, the restaurant, uh, <laughs> uh, Disney uh, historian Jim Corcus writes uh, essentially that the the restaurant was designed to resemble kind of a plan, planet Hollywood style of restaurant at the time. Or if you're a Simpsons fan, uh, Uncle Mo's family feed bag with a bunch of crazy crap on the walls. <laughs> it was the style at the time. So the current state of the restaurant, it claims it was opened in 1878 by Bill himself. Uh, and it uh, starts out in the main entrance is the saloon right next to Country Bear Jamboree. But it also expands so far that it lets out right near the Tortuga Tavern across from Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, Which is never opened. And that thing's had an Tortuga, identity no, crisis. No, it's... it's yeah, it's certainly not open right now. Much like the uh, the Fixins station in uh, Pecos yeah, but Bill's even pre COVID, right that can't be open. Pre COVID, that restaurant was rarely open. Oh, yeah. if it was open, kind of like never, the restaurant on there. Tom Sawyer's Island. If it was open, that's not a good thing. That means there's a reason it's open. <laughs> like I'm just gonna get a cold chicken sandwich here because I'm not going back across. <laughs> yeah, I just gotta say I'm upset a little bit that all of his friends left him gifts and it's the stuff on the walls rather than the fix and bar itself. Cause that would have been awesome. <laughs> it's like and many of them are by the fixins bar, but you, you, yeah, Paul Bunyan comes by and he's like, take these banana peppers. <laughs> Here's a jug of mayonnaise Pecos for Bill. you. <laughs> <Jug of> mayonnaise. <laughs> have fun run, run your operation. I buddy. just filmed a package film. I'm wild Bill Hickok. <laughs> Try yourself some salsa. I got it south of the border. <laughs> I do not want to know what Slewfoot Sue put at the fixing bar. <laughs> Napkins. It's practical. Of course. And so you don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> we must give a point to Pecos for the illuminating backstory. Yes. That Nancy gave old Bill the willies, so he wrote them little billies. So yes, Jim. Tell us, uh, tell us some of the things that are adorning the walls, because I'm interested. Yes. Okay. Jug of mayonnaise. So the, the, the story I just read is actually printed on uh, what looks like old leather stretched over a frame of sticks and horseshoes right inside the entrance. On the other side, uh, there is another sign, the Code of the West. Can we all, we've all heard of the Code of the West. Can we all recite it together, please? I, I want to uh, have it's three items. To the West. Sure that's appropriate. I want to have, I want you to have all the credit. Oh, okay. Thanks. Thanks, Jimmy. And thanks, Dan, for, for contributing. But that was the fourth rule, uh, whatever it is you said. Uh, the three rules, the Code of the West, respect the land, defend the defenseless, and don't ever spit in front of women and children. Rules to live by. I like it. 
Wow. That's the code of the West. Sorry, we didn't need a lot of music there. Um, <laughs> I was thinking it would go So longer. also in, yeah, it, 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 it's short, unlike the, the story <laughs> of the, the restaurant. Uh, so there's a stone fireplace with a portrait of Pecos Bill, the actual animated Pecos Bill from the short on Widowmaker, performing lasso tricks. Uh, in front of the, uh, hanging from the mantle are three lassos, uh, Bill's hat, and his six shooters uh, are displayed. There's a warrant of authenticity signed by Texas Governor Sam Houston, a real person, naming Bill a fake person, a Texas Ranger, age unknown, born at Coyote Pass. Whoa. Uh, there's also a warrant of authority for Widowmaker, his horse, naming him an honorary member of the Rangers as uh, starting on March 24th, 1894. There's also a picture of the horse, animated, and his bridle. Slewfoot Sue left her spurs and gloves uh, with the inscription on the gloves, To Billy, all my love, Slewfoot Sue. Judge, can I ask a question? John, question absolutely. For yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Great. I, yeah. I've been trying to let this go, but it's actually so. So it's a cartoon picture of each, of all of these characters. And you got the six shooters. Are the six shooters and the gloves and all of the items that go with these cartoon characters, are they cartoony or real life? They're real. Mm. The gloves look like they're old leather. The lassos are rope, just, you know, shellacked and stuck to the thing. Six shooters are real. Six shooters. Everything else is real except for the portraits of them, which are cartoons. Okay. Well, I too have a question. Has anyone talked with um, Walker, Texas Ranger, to see how he feels about a cartoon horse and a cartoon cowboy being Texas Rangers? He's fine with that. I just wondered. It was just a question, clarifying question. Oh. Well, that's that's interesting that he's he's okay with it. Okay. All right. Moving on. Uh, Johnny Appleseed left his tin pot hat mounted on the wall uh, in the final dining room on the Adventureland side. Uh, Davy Crockett left his powder horn and a leather bag with a schematic of his rifle, Old Betsy. Uh, the jerk did not leave a coonskin cap, in the world? strangely enough. Yeah, Odd. yeah. It's actually on top of the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the roof, rotting away. <laughs> true, true story. Keeping Keeping the roof warm. Uh, Georgie Russell left some trail supplies and a letter uh, telling a story about how Davy Crockett fought Bigfoot Mason. Uh, it's on a, a high shelf that's difficult to find in the dining room, uh, the final dining room, uh, which is more Southwest themed, as we'll get to. Uh, Paul Bunyan left his giant axe with the inscription to Pecos from one giant to another. Best wishes, Paul Bunyan. Uh, while Bill Hickok, a real person, left some poker cards. Buffalo Bill Cody, also a real person, supposedly buried near my house, uh, left a photograph, an actual photograph uh, of himself to my good friend Pecos from one showman to another. It's near the Fixins Bar, so maybe he contributed to the Fixins Bar. He left a moratorium. <laughs> um, Annie Oakley left her six shooters and playing cards with bullet holes in them in the first dining room near the Fixins Bar. Kit Carson, Annie Oakley, a real person. Kit Carson, also a real person, left a compass and a map labeled uh, Johnson's Washington, Oregon, and Idaho. Kit Carson was an explorer. Hmm. Um, 
And there's a mountain range in Colorado named after Kit Carson. Uh, the Lone Ranger, also a real fake person, a case left a, uh, a black mask and one silver bullet in a case. There's a plaque next to that case with no inscription. Is a silver bullet for like if werewolves attack or something? Yes. Okay. Um, have you have you seen it, have you seen the the classic movie with Johnny Depp uh, playing a Native American? <laughs> is the silver bullet no. a can of Coors Light? <laughs> also yes. in your backyard, it's an empty can of Coors Light that he crushed on his forehead. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, John Henry left a sledgehammer, a smaller hammer, and a few railroad spikes. Jim Bowie left a Bowie knife and some poker cards. Casey Jones left a coal bucket and an oil can. Uh, there are also a bunch of other random items around in cases that are not labeled. Uh, a tin cup, dice, uh, faded paper, whiskey bottles, tin cups. Um, I already said tin cups. A $1,000 bill, coins and spurs, and signs for things like Chinese laundry and Eric's vegetable pills. Not Eric's. Herricks. Of course. My vegetable pills are uh, not FDA approved <laughs> yet. Also made in your backyard. <laughs> we're, we're, fingers crossed. <laughs> You'll get there. You'll get there. <laughs> uh, so there's, there's an awful lot of design elements and story elements inside the restaurant itself. Would you like me to continue naturally to the outside of the restaurant and explain how this goes? And then Jimmy can back up with his well, land I, impact I think, or do we want to switch back yeah, to Yeah, let's Jimmy? switch back to me for a minute. Cause you talked about John okay. Bowie and his Bowie knife, right? Yes. Um, Rancho del Socolo has David Bowie's Jim Bowie, by the way, Jim Bowie, <laughs> Jim, Jim, Jim Bowie. Yeah. Jim Rancho Bowie. has David Bowie's makeup from Labyrinth. <laughs> yeah, he also left behind he also left behind uh some cocaine and a gallon of milk. <laughs> That's right. That's a deep cut Bowie joke for you Bowie fans out there. Okay, so so I appreciate all of those things. I appreciate the story. I appreciate the the the, the adorning of the walls. There's a lot of very great theming at Pecos Bills, clearly. Uh but when we're talking about history of things. I'd like to counter and suggest that Doritos oh, are a billion-dollar snack oh, brand, oh. but they were originally Disneyland trash. When the restaurant originally opened in 1955 with the partnership of Disney and Frito, the restaurant bought tortillas from a company called Alex's Foods. Their salesman noticed one day that Casa de Fritos was throwing out stale tortillas, so he suggested that they make them into chips by cutting them and frying them. The chips were a success at Casa de Fritos. They began making them frequently. A Frito-Lay marketing executive loved the fried tortilla chips and contact contracted Alex's Foods to make them. Doritos were officially born in 1964 and rolled out nationally as a Frito-Lay product in 1966. The original Doritos were not flavored. The first flavor was toasted corn, released in 1966, followed by taco flavor in 1967 and nacho cheese in 1972. By the way, the term Dorito is a contraction of the Spanish Doradito, which is little gr fried and golden thing, which is a diminutive of Dorado fried or golden thing. Doritos were invented at Disneyland. That's a backstory. Are you saying that the corn chip itself was invented there or just specifically no. Doritos? Specifically Doritos. Okay. Uh, that's a point to Rancho. Hello, Doritos. 
Hey, Klondike, how about digging some golden chips to send up here? Uh, yeah. So hmm. go ahead, Eric. Hmm. I just, I mean, <laughs> the defense rests really, I, you know. <laughs> I, I describe a rich tapestry and, uh, you describe, um, a Super Bowl, uh, commercial. I, listen, it, it, it's an important point. If for those of you listening who didn't know Doritos were invented, it invented at Disneyland at Casa de Fritos. But I do really enjoy that the fact that Rancho doesn't have a story. Like there's nothing. It's just a Mexican restaurant. I really enjoy the fact that Pecos Bills has a complete thought out story and all the all the adornments on the walls and stuff. So I'll let you continue with your impact and all the things. <laughs> I'll let you keep telling your little stupid story. Only because I don't have a stupid story. <laughs> Nice. All right. The the impact on the land. Now it's the 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 massive construct that is Pecos Bills has been joked that it extends almost into fantasy land, but it it does not. It is pretty big. Uh, The facades of this building start out with the aforementioned saloon right next to Country Bear Jamboree. Uh, the date above that door reads 1878. It's a it's a nice looking saloon. It's got blue slat walls. It's got a uh, a second floor balcony and a door. Uh, currently, the country bears sometimes walk out there and wave to everybody as they walk by because they can't stand next to you in person. That's uh, during COVID. The next right, nice. uh, the thing that we all go through right now. Um, next is town hall. Uh, that's the next facade down, still part of the restaurant. Um, 1867 is the date above it. It also has a second floor balcony and a bell tower. Um, around the corner, we start to change the facade a little bit as we blend toward Adventureland. We have a Southwest and Mexican style decor. Uh, as we continue onward, it, it looks more like a, a hacienda with stone and clay tiles, um, and it connects directly to the Tortuga Tavern in Adventureland. Along the way, the even the lamps change. Uh, you've got some, you know, fancier, nice, large wrought iron lamps near the uh, country bear side that change down toward a southwestern feel uh, in into the dining room, the last dining room, and along the facade of the hacienda style entrance in Adventureland. That's really cool. I had no idea. Yeah. So Frontierland what- at Disney World is like basically. Far more restaurant than your average person might understand. Yes. Which I'm not saying. I realize I'm saying it in a critical tone, but I don't mean it in a critical way. Well, and I think what's so interesting is that they used a restaurant, which everybody, I mean, everybody needs at one point during the day. And they made that basically a street in the land and they used it as a transition to another. So I'm going to award a point for that. That's pretty cool. That dancing gave old Bill the willy, so he wrote them little fillies. Yeah. We're tied. You can get free drink refills at Rancho Del Zocalo. <coughs> oh, come on. Zocalo. Even margaritas? Well, they don't have those. Oh, even soda? You can get soda. You can get all the free soda refills. Make sure to hang on to your receipt and, you know, don't like go eat, drink your soda and then go somewhere else and come back. That's kind of lame. But you can get free drink refills. That is me grasping at straws. Hey, are who you, doesn't get a point for free soda at Disney? Exactly. Hey, Klondike, some hungry folks up here. Dig another bag of Frito. Are you not going to 
touch on it being right next to Thunder Mountain? I, sh- oh, we're oh, not there yet. Okay. Spoilers. Okay. We just okay. got started, Dan. Uh, <laughs> okay. We're only an hour and a half in. Yeah, so <laughs> since, more. Yeah, more. Since we came since it came first, I I will say. And I don't know if I like this or not, but but you can literally see Big Thunder Mountain f- while you're seated in the restaurant. You can watch the train Big Thunder Mountain and the original repurposed uh, Rainbow Ridge from your seat at Disneyland's Rancho <laughs> Del Calo, Del Zocalo. Why would that be a negative? True. It is nice to see the trains go by. I, I'm just, I don't know, the noise. Because we talked about before, it's like I just want to sit quietly and hang out al fresco. But, but it is kind of cool to kind of tie the two things in. It's very Frontierland. I mean, what's more Frontierland than... But yeah, it's the, the the fact that you're there and you can you're I don't know. It just pulls you into Frontierland and what's more Frontierland than than Thunder, right? Yeah, I mean it is Frontierland, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Yeah. It's right Point. there at the end of the ride. Point for a train. Someone else knows what's good. <laughs> that was appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Eric? Do any attractions exit into your restaurant? <laughs> uh uh, well, yes. Great. So, Country Bear we, Chamboree. is that a point that we for need to- Pecos Bill or for the attraction? Judge, what do you think? Ooh. Oh, my goodness. So, exiting. Well, I say we give it. Keep in mind that we haven't reviewed Country Bear Correct. Chamboree yet. Right. But So, how about we give that point to the jury to do my super secret ending? Mm. okay um i think that if we did have an analog for um i can't think of the the the, the country red jamboree um if we were able to do that show then (laughs) in the way that we do these shows then ability to do the show right then i would say that it would be a point for country bear jamboree but so, if that show was ever done, did that show award a point for this? What I'm saying is that I'm I'm imagining that if that show, if we were say to cover that in any way, futurely speaking, it would have to be in a way that isn't a point thing because it would be just talking about the thing, right? Right, right. Good point. So just because we can't award a point doesn't mean that it automatically goes to the restaurant. Got it. I think ultimately it 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 is in the positive of because okay if you go to the restaurant right you're not you don't you're not sitting there going like hey I'm really really glad that this show exits into this restaurant and I have no interest in seeing that show. It, it However, might be a distraction to the restauranteur or the restaurant goer, hmm, but it might possibly. be an addition to. Yeah, I don't necessarily think it's a negative for someone who's just going to the restaurant. I do think it's absolutely a positive for someone who is seeing Country Bear Jamboree and they exit and they're like, oh, it, it's not a store. And yes, I am hungry. Right. Um, That's interesting because it, it's almost like it's a benefit to the restaurant. Like from a financial perspective, because I right. just left the show, I walk, ooh, I smell this food. I see this counter. Yeah. I'm going to go here. Yeah. But maybe a detraction from the restaurant goer who now Possibly. has this crowd of 300 people that just show up and get in line. Right. right. 
Well, where it, where it enters is right by the 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 line. So if you enter in through the saloon doors, that's all that's all line right there. That's all quick service ordering. The the sitting portion of the restaurant is much further down. Well, right. That's what I'm saying, um, though, Eric. Is that if I'm standing in line for that for Pecos Bill and 300 people exit. Now they're just a bunch of people more crowded in line. So I'll do I'll do the well. They're behind you in line. Well, though. that's true. Let me do the inverse of what I'm trying to say, which is if we were to try to award a point to Thunder Mountain for it being right next to Rancho, I would just say you're crazy because who cares? But I don't know that that makes sense. But it doesn't. The the line doesn't exit into Rancho. Right. Right. If it did, that would be cool for the for the ride. But I wouldn't say that it's a positive for Rancho. Right. I personally enjoy watching the train roll by. Oh, I do too. Um, oh, I would absolutely. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's why I think I we're at a point. point for that, that would just yep. pump it up for me. Yep. Pump up. And it's and it's the it's the nice okay, quiet up, part of the ride more. that you don't really yeah, pay true. attention to because no horns, when you're no there you're either horns. waiting to get on the ride or you had just finished the ride so it gives you a chance to kind of you know just look at it. Enjoy it. Yeah, Eric, I think you have a little bit more on the outside and we can talk about land impact. Do I have more on the I outside? You said you I've did. talked about <laughs> No, I I talked about that. I, I talked about the the balconies and how okay. the sorry. The 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 exterior changes as you walk through the land and it changes in time period and and location to match with the the area. Yeah, that's it for land unless uh you want to give me some more points I can reread that portion. <laughs> so multiple facades on what what restaurants here's my thought is that as far as land impact goes i think it's they're they're equal i don't think it really makes an impact to the land it absorbs into the land in that you've got an attraction that's sort of ending at rancho you've got an attraction that's sort of ending at at pecos so i feel like they kind of wash each other out right um so I think that may be the end of the argument. So Christy, um, what? So I have a one thing that wasn't talked about with Rancho, and I realize it sounds like I'm gunning for it, but I just have more familiarity with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a genuine question: Does the fact that you can enter it from it's kind of bridging? Oh, that's Fantasyland and Frontierland. Because we didn't talk about the bathrooms, and it's got bathrooms. There's bathrooms in both, right? There's a bathroom in Pecos Bills in the inside the restaurant. And there's a bathroom just adjacent. But yeah, you can enter into Rancho from Fantasyland through that little sort of fair area with the yeah, that, yeah, show, you know, little play yeah. thing, whatever. Go get your kid gussied up at the the Princess Fair, and then but it 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 gets countered by the fact that you can enter Pecos Bills essentially from Adventureland. I mean, your steps okay. into Frontierland, and you That's can a good enter point. into Pecos. So that that sort of washes itself out. Okay. So, guys, Pecos Bills is a nice quick service restaurant, not unlike Rancho, where personally I can't go to Magic Kingdom without eating there at either Magic Kingdom. So for me, it's it's tied either way. I think from this conversation, Pecos Bills has a more elaborate theme and story, much more seating in comfortable climate. Um. Whereas Rancho has better food, maybe a higher quality of food, but also more expensive, um, but also has seating to meet the environment. Um, so those kind of wash each other out. So I'm 
you know, I'm not the judge here, so I, but I'm I'm kind of I feel like one does one thing better, the other one does the other thing better. Uh, so really, it's up to Christy. How about we let the judge and jury decide? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So jury, yeah. you have mm-hmm. two points, and I think one you're going to wash out because you're going to give it to Country Bear Jamboree, but you do have a point that you may assess to either. <laughs> um, oh, I like this system. I like this system a lot, Christy. System. Well done. Hmm. I think in my heart, I think uh, – See, here's what I'm doing. I'm trying to think like if you if you were to switch them and you were to have Zocalo or Z- I'm getting, I know I say things it's wrong. I'm Zocalo. sorry. Yeah, I say things wrong habitually. Um, <laughs> if you flip them and you have that one at Florida and Pecos Bill in California, I, I hold think- on. Pecos Bill doesn't fit in California. It just doesn't fit. It's, I know it's too much of a machine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's just it it's too fast, too much of a machine. I yeah, think it's a volume. Tamer. It is it is designed for its environment, exactly. but given delightful touches of of story that that add more environment than it really deserves. <laughs> I think okay, so it is doing that well, and and for that, I think yes, it does deserve a point, mainly because it looks like Rancho is going to win anyway. Wait so now. You're giving your point to Pecos. Yeah, I think I think I am mainly for the. It doesn't. They could have gotten away with it just being like another damn food court. And let's be honest, I think a lot of the audience, not most, but a lot of the audience at Disney World wouldn't think anything differently. Um, and it functions kind of as a food court, but they made it. They Disneyed it, and they did it in a way that isn't as in depth and thorough as Rancho, but again, they're kind of doing what they need to do for the coast that they're on. So yeah, point for Pecos and there. That dancing gave old Bill the willy. So he wrote them little fillies. So as the judge, I have one point that I may assess to either. And I, I know it's awesome. Um, all this power and I have to give it to Pecos and I'll tell you why as a person who goes to Disney for the ambiance and not just the food and not just the rides to really be immersed, it would be fun to sit first of all inside when you're in Florida and it's a sauna outside, but second of all, to have a story and to have stuff to look at while you're eating, especially if you're like me, I eat really slow. I will look around. I people watch. I want to have a story where I sit, not that, Sokolo said by the Nasonex B doesn't have all of that. It does, but the story is what grabbed me. The story is what got me. So I'm going to give my point to Pecos. That dancing gave old Bill the willy, so he wrote them little fillies. <laughs> so we are now tied. Yes. <laughs> are we now? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I, I first of all, I want to say this. Um, the origin of this podcast was a few things that I won't repeat because I think I've already said it, but one of the main things was I was listening to it. It's mostly swears <laughs> and package films. Um, one of the things that, that inspired this show was I was listening to a podcast called podcast, the ride highly recommended and have them come join us. Um, and they did over two hours on the Tomorrowland restaurant in magic kingdom 
the Starlight Cafe and the the animatronic, and they did like two plus hours of that restaurant, and I was entertained the entire time. I didn't want it to end, and that was the dream. And I think we just did it because I've been entertained <laughs> for two plus hours on a freaking restaurant <laughs> or Do two we restaurants. Flip a coin? Two restaurants. Oh, we and, flip a coin. And, well, but here's the second thing I want to say: Pecos Bills is well themed it's it can accommodate a lot of people there's you know it kind of ticks all the boxes we talked about already but you know it does a good job but it's also very loud very crowded there's not a very good flow and you've got the restaurant or the bathroom right in the middle of the kind of the walkway it's loud and obnoxious rancho doesn't accommodate as many people but it's a calmer experience it's better food so that's that's my assessment. I'm not the judge, but that's just kind of what I've taken away from this from this conversation. Um, so there you go. I guess if that's a closing argument, I'd also like to make a closing argument, if you will, Your Honor. Absolutely. Please. Uh, we're just going to echo Jimmy's sentiments here and say that uh, yes. Pecos Bills is a is often a loud environment and is sometimes difficult to keep in its intended immaculate state. But it is a giant machine. It seats eleven hundred people at its max for a park that can accommodate approximately a hundred thousand people at a time. It's designed to get people to come in, eat a decent amount of food that's not horrifyingly bad. And give you some variety without without it being the the aforementioned cosmic rays, uh, chicken sandwich and and burger. Even though you can get a burger and you can get chicken, this this place offers a little bit of a a, a different twist. It gives you the type of food that you would expect to see at a at a place that you're familiar with, like a Chipotle or Qdoba. Um, and it does so in an environment that is surprisingly more themed than uh, than you would expect at a giant box designed to move people through and feed them. Eric, you bring up you bring up sure you bring up a uh, an <laughs> interesting up. an interesting uh, point when you said that it it's kind of difficult to keep it as uh, pristine as it might need to be. And I got to be honest, when I think of the times that I've been there, which is not a lot, but it's, I'm, I'm just imagining just kind of just tables that are unbust. Um, yeah, it's pumping people through, but like if they lose track of their game in terms of like cleaning the place, like you see it immediately. That's reasonable. Although they do a good job at at sort of efficiently getting things, but you're right. I mean, there's people I've been there on multiple occasions where I'm standing there waiting to find a table, but they do a good job at directing you to open tables. Yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm just thinking that like, okay, if it's kind of right on the on the edge of becoming the nightmare that Disney World can become and it's kind of there all the time just because mm, of the size true. and yeah. it's it's on the cusp yeah and if it's you're right if if they're not operating on all cylinders and it just it could descend into chaos and because of the size of it like you just i 
don't feel like they staff that place enough to keep up with the turnaround. And I just, I know so many times I've been there. Well, the, the times that I've been there, I've made, I mentally made note of like that, that table just has trash on it. And, and it's, it's a lot of tables. And I realize that they do, you know, staff it and turn around, but like, I, I, in my memory, it's more about that than it is about the theming, to be honest. That, that's fair. And I, I didn't even know there was theming, to be fair on that one. But the one thing I will say about Rancho is that they almost discourage you from busting your own tables. Like, I remember we've been there before where it's like, do I take care of it? Because it's actual plates. It's not yeah. stuff you yeah. throw away. And there are there's a busing staff that's like at the ready. So every table is clean the minute that the, the parties leave. Versus Pecos where it's like, you're, you're on your own. And if you leave the stuff, I'll get to it. Yeah. Right. Which to be uh, fair. And do I, do I have to do, <laughs> do I have to pull an Eric right now? <laughs> well, to, to be fair in California, they can staff like three people and they'd be able to handle the whole thing. That's so true. it is, I, I don't, I don't know if this is, it is, it's a size problem. Right. And I don't, maybe this is one of the few places where it matters. I mean, this could be a Tom a Disneyland Tom Sawyer's Island situation. I don't know. Okay, let let me just let me literally just pull an Eric right <laughs> now and and point out that perhaps not when it reopens, but at many times in its past, this restaurant has had breakfast. You son of a bitch. <laughs> not Pecos Bills. Oh, the Ranch of the Square has had breakfast and it's it's a great breakfast. And was it chilaquiles? It was chilaquiles. I didn't know that it had were, breakfast. I did not either. I'm, I did not know that. And now I just want to eat breakfast there because it's like this little corner. It's and not listed on their, around. It's not w- listed on their website. They don't have a breakfast menu. No, and that's it. They stopped it about a year ago, and maybe a little bit more. And maybe we can't count yeah. this, but seriously, my memories of Rancho are breakfast memories because I've never eaten lunch or dinner there. Um, it's great to look at at night, but so is, so is Pecos Bills, especially from the outside where you don't walk in and see the, the carnage. Um, <laughs> uh, <but laughs> all right. So I, I don't know if you can count a meal that they don't technically offer, but they don't offer anything right now. So what, you know, who's to say they're not going to reopen and say, yeah, let's have another breakfast place. So I'm going to call for any final statements from anybody, including the jury. Um, my final statement is, um, that Steve Gutenberg has a cameo mm-hmm. and yep, you need he to support it. can do all sorts of great. He still hasn't gotten a new phone. I checked last night. <laughs> uh, so it's reasonably priced. Um, go over to cameo, visit your buddy, Steve Gutenberg. He will deliver cameos to all your friends and family. Um, do right. these include Let- holiday messages. Ooh. Oh yeah. Yeah. Is he agnostic? Okay, I don't know. just checking. All right, here's my final point. In 1932, <laughs> C.E. Doolin entered a small San Antonio cafe and purchased a bag of corn chips. After learning the manufacturer was eager to sell his business, he bought the recipe and started making Fritos corn chips in his mother's kitchen. He sold them from his Model T Ford. That same year, Herman W. Lay started a snack food delivery company in Nashville. He, too, bought the company out, manufacturer from H.W. Lay and Company, which became one of the largest snack food companies in the Southwest. In 1961, the two companies merged, and Frito-Lay was born. Four years later, 
1965, Frito-Lay Inc. merged with Pepsi-Cola to form PepsiCo. Snack lovers everywhere rejoiced. The defense, no, the prosecution rests. In 1952, oh. historian Brent Ashebrenner stated... Eric, I'm sorry, I don't have I music have... for you yet. <laughs> oh, okay. I have, during the past five years, examined scores of memoirs written or related to writers by old-time cowboys and cattlemen. The number who have recorded their range experiences is rather amazing, and I have found in them no mention or allusion to a character called Pecos Bill. This is the case, despite the fact that seldom did these men write stories of their own lives on the range without devoting considerable space to the hilarious tall tales told around the campfire. Notwithstanding his uncertain origins, Pecos Bill was first referenced in 1923. All right, this episode needs to end. (laughs) Can I just throw out, though? It's two hours. It's well over two hours. Can I just throw out that Rancho is a good well-themed restaurant doesn't have a story but it has a sense of place right yes and there's zero ip yes and thunder mountain zero ip as well yes so you're just in a corner that is just theme they're not trying to sell you on that's a good point a character or a story which and may or may not food. be a good thing and it's good food it's just it's just it's Disney doing what they do well without the, and I'll say it, Michigas of trying to shoehorn a character in. Save the governor. <laughs> the governor of Michigas. Um, <laughs> Whitmer? Anyway. Um, yes, Gretchen. Gretchen. Good old Gretch, Gretchy. Um, yeah. All right. So this is. <laughs> arguably one of the most ridiculous ties of all time. So Christy, make your verdict. <laughs> Thank you. I've never had to be. I, I don't think judges are given permission from lawyers to make decisions. But I'll go ahead and go for it. Well, the lawyer is also the host of the show. So <laughs> lawyer is the host yeah, I know. I get it. Prosecution, blah, blah, blah. So honestly, <laughs> I'm basing my decision on where I'm very excited to go. Once all of this Michigas is over. Um, it really is Rancho for me. That just sounds like it's so my cup of tea. I can see me sitting there with my friends watching the train go by and enjoying, hopefully sharing a giant plate of food with my hubby. So it goes to Rancho. Everybody did great. Thank you. Rancho del Socolo is the supreme frontierland Mexican restaurant. Eric, you did a wonderful job. I did not know what was going to happen. I have my own emotional (laughs) opinions about this, and I have to be honest, they're the same. Um, Meaning that I don't go to Disneyland without going to Rancho. I don't go to Disney World without going to Pecos. It was sort of a perfect marriage of concept, so thank you for all the work you did. You did a great job. Um, But if we're honest with each other, Rancho is just a better restaurant. (laughs) I, I... it, you know what? I, I completely agree. I was I was impressed to find all the details about Pecos Bills, but I have very fond memories of sitting at Rancho and, it, you know, I've I've got a story for for after hours that I can tell. OK. Uh, about uh, Pecos yeah, Bills. And if anybody knows what happened to the Frito kid, let us know. Cake boss. Um <laughs> So I, I encourage you to listen to our other shows on our network. That's Ears Up podcast, Ears Up in depth. 
Banter, Beskar, and Banthamilk featuring Eric Johnson. Uh, listen to the episode entitled The Jedi. Uh, also, listen to Scraping the Vault. It's a lot of fun. You'll learn. Well, no, you won't learn anything, but it's, <laughs> it's a lot of things, fun. But you, we can't guarantee that you'll be happy that you learned no, but but you'll be happy after listening to it because it's a lot of fun. Right. You can contact us at Jimmy at EarsUp-Podcast.com, Dan at EarsUp-Podcast.com, E. Johnson at Concierge.com, and you can listen to, uh, or you can reach, excuse me, Christy in a cup. <laughs> Christy in a can at Gmail. Christy in a can at Gmail.com. <laughs> if you've listened to the last couple episodes, no. you'll appreciate what that means. Also, you can reach uh, Jeremy at uh, Spectro underscore radio at, at uh, Instagram and Twitter. Listen to Spectro Radio. It is a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. So that's our show, everybody. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Be good to each other. And we'll see you in the parks. Uh-huh. And this episode of the Supreme Resort hey, has been brought to you by Frito-Lay. Our friends at Frito-Lay. Did you know they invented the Dorito? Did you know Disneyland. that they have a weird Pat and Oscars kind of situation where someone was selling stuff out of a truck and then another person was like, please take my company. They do. Frito-Lay. Get them at the places that you get all the things that you get and then put them in your mouth. <laughs> Shove them in there. Show them in good. Get a <laughs> something to mash them up. In. <laughs> Thanks, Klondike. I'm hungry now. Wants a bag of Fritos, Any more left? Let's be honest. Yeah. Rancho wouldn't have won without Casa de Fritos. Okay, coming right up. One bag of crisp salted Fritos. The freshest, too. Uh, Fritos are made of exclusively corn, salt, and oil. That is all. Goldilocks would drop my ass. Gotcha. She's a bitch anyway. Hi, Easter egg. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's I very possible. I love it. I love it so much. It's pretty great. <laughs> is that it's one like, that's titled Dan is Bored? No, that's that's this one. <laughs> that's the general, like, please move on. <laughs> and that's when I double down.